Hello there. Welcome to episode 113 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill, and his lordship, Sir Renfrey of <laughs> Deadman. That was very me- uh, melodious of you. Hello there. And- I've, I tell you what it is. It's, I've been watching, I don't know if anyone, I, I don't really like wrestling particularly, but I used to. And I've been watching the OSW old school wrestling podcast reviews of old wrestling um, oh. pay-per-views. And the guy always goes, hello and went like a proper sort of Irish <laughs> hello there and uh so yeah I've been infused with the spirit of of that particular I podcast. like it so I like it thanks very much yeah, thank you thanks. for introducing me with my new title that's newsworthy mm. isn't it uh yes I've, it is I've Renfrew's self- made a lord last week somehow. <laughs> I've self-proclaimed I myself a lord that's the news yeah it did oh <laughs> but let's I mean that seems like small news in comparison to what's going on this week uh on this week's show we're going to be reviewing the latest albums from John Z Enslaved Corey Taylor, Anal Nathrak, Laura Jane Grace, and more mother. Just a reminder that because of the sheer weight of numbers of albums, um, we have tagged out uh, Broken Records for a little while. And um, because we, it was long last week. I mean, imagine if we'd have talked about the Beatles oh, on the yeah. back of that as well. Oh, it would have been God. really, really long. So yeah. there you go. But anyway, hey, hey, cheers, Renfrey. Cheers to you. Cheers to me. And cheers to Signature Brew. We've got to do this straight away. Let's get straight into this. Um, we buddied up with the good folks at Signature Brew, haven't we? Yeah. Shout out shout out them. Um, you probably are aware of Signature Brew. We've, we've mentioned uh, them as a company um, previously, I think, because we actually did our first anniversary live show at the Signature Brew tap rooms, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah. And what, mm. what larks we had. I was very sweaty had- that night. <laughs> you were yeah you be it was the night you became a meme where you couldn't quite find the pint of beer that sort of became a gif oh like yes 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 and you yeah. called, you introduced me as comic book guy from the simpsons yes, yes yes i did yeah it was funny it was fun times and that all happened um within the the sort of confines of four walls of the guys at signature brew who um if you aren't aware of, of Signature Brew, and I'm sure as a music fan you should be, since 2011 um, in East London, they've been brewing music-inspired beers and supporting live music. Not just us at the Signature Brew Tap Room recently. Renfrew, you reviewed Jamie Ledman. They had um, yes. a friend of mine, Rob Lynch, did a recently did a socially distanced gig. Is Rob um, a friend of yours? I didn't know Rob was a friend of yours. That's cool. Uh, I, well, I, actually, I, I meant a friend of mine went to the gig. Although I do <laughs> have spoke. <laughs> I, I was going to say, do you mean Rob friend of few... mine in the way that Max Cavalera is a friend of yours? No, no, Max Cavalera is actually a friend of mine. Um, uh... I hope we're not screwing this up for so, you guys, Signature Brew. No, no, no. But I have met, I've met Rob a few times and he, he is a really, really lovely bloke. Okay, but anyway, cool. yeah, they've done um, Jamie Lenman and they've done yeah, Rob Lynch, yeah. to mention a couple yeah, uh, yeah. of the, the recent gigs that they've done in, in that place. I'm sure there's more of them coming up yeah, soon. Yeah. Um, uh, well, they've they, done a, they've done a lot to kickstart the live music scene, and yeah. it's time when it needs to be kickstarted. So, yeah, yeah, really, really cool, yeah. and also making a Jamie Lenman lemonade, which I believe you had a little sip of. <gasps> oh, it was lovely, bitter yet uh, refreshing. That's what I said last time, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, like, and I said like you. Um, <laughs> it's nice. It's nicer than you. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, thank you so much. The, the guys at Signature Brew are kind of um, buddying up with us. And um, They're supporting us, it's lovely. Supporting to be us, giving us a, a lovely fist pump because I think the two of us together, hopefully, they believe that we um, both try and support. I mean, they're supporting live music slightly more than we are at the moment. <laughs> um, so fair play to them on that. Um, but they and they they do make they do make delicious beverages, Renfrey. Um They do. Yeah, I've I've got some in my fridge right now, and I have to say, mm. 
Oh, well, we've never really spoken about beer too much. I mean, other than Are me going, Renfrey drinks a lot of it. Well, we've never spoken about how I feel about it. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Beer. We've spoken about how you were like bathing it. Yes. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, please, I, please I drink responsibly, like, kids. I, I do ge- genuinely, I really like, they do a roadie IPA, which mm. is a taste of, I love an IPA. I love an IPA. But the thing about an IPA is they're a lot, some of them are a bit heavy for me. So I have sort of two and I either want to go to bed or I want to eat a whole thing of minstrels. <laughs> and you can't really, <laughs> you know, so I can't really be doing that on a night out. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this one's, it's a bit, the roadie is a bit lighter. It's a 4.3, but it's still got that flavorful taste that those craft beers give you. But I can have sort of four or five without sort of, becoming drowsy which i like yeah. a lot i like a, mm. i like a roadie um uh, yeah. it, the, I, it's actually often the beer of, of choice for me when i go into a signature brew establishment it's just yeah. kind of like it's my baseline like that's the beer that i want to have if i'm if i'm not feeling adventurous that's what i'll be drinking all night i think i was on the roadies for our first anniversary show i can't remember oh, you probably were yeah, yeah, yeah well yeah. you certainly had more than two that night that's for <laughs> damn sure um <laughs> and, and, but 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 genuinely like the days of me going you know you know when you're a kid and you go buy a massive two liter thing of white lightning and just neck it and go i don't care what it tastes like mm. those days are go- those days are gone for me and oh, if you're yeah. like me I would shout out the, the roadie because it is really, really nice. They've also done collaborative beers with Mastodon, Idol, Slaves, Sports Team, Mogwai, Frank Turner, Enter Shikari. So, you know, um, thanks very much. It's it's lovely to be associated with them yeah, in yeah, any way yeah. and we appreciate their help. And if that sounds like something that you'd like to get involved in, um, you can go to signaturebrew.co.uk and put the code RIAACT, all one word, in small capitals, in the checkout and you get 10% off in small capitals in small capitals <laughs> what's the in, lower, in lowercase what steve means lower there case. is in lowercase <laughs> right let's okay the code is very very important okay that is for us that is the most important bit so let's yeah. let's redo that steve we'll keep it in we'll keep this in but let's redo it anyway let's do that riot bit again act. all lowercase riot act in the checkout, signaturebrew.co.uk, 10% off of all of their produce. Yeah. Many things. I would I would recommend, as I do actually have one of these, a pub in a box as well. You get all yes. the different types of beers. You get some snacks. You get a glass. I've got a signature brew glass. Very nice. And um, you get a music quiz, which I'm... Which I aced. I mean, you know. <laughs> the pub in a box is a genius idea. I know it's been doing it's very, very, good. very, very well for them. Um, I have to say as well, I mean, I don't want to come across as too beggy or anything like this, but this is a really, really exciting opportunity for us. And we are really thrilled to be teaming up with a company like Signature Brew as well, because we've been very, very sort of careful about getting support from companies and stuff like that. But Signature Brew actually feels like a company who... Um, that we believe in their values as well mm. and the fact that they are actually like like you were just saying that the way that they support live music and so on and so forth i mean this is actually quite an easy sell for us to do because i'm being quite heartfelt and genuine i do actually really like the, the guys behind the scenes and gals behind the scenes at signature brew are fantastic people um they're good friends of ours um and um they are doing very 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 good things so but if you have ever wanted to help us out and support us, it would be absolutely amazing if you went to the website and fancied. I mean, it's just been payday. Uh, and if you did fancy getting some beers, there is a good chance that we might be in another lockdown uh, quite 
soon who knows but you know if you fancy getting some beers delivered to your door and getting 10 percent off them as well uh if you fancied going to Signature Brew and using that code, it would help us out immensely. And it would help yeah. our friends out at Signature Brew. It would, well, it so. would. I mean, just it's it, it, pub in a box, you get beer, glass, snacks, music, quiz, beer mat, and playlists. 25 quid, 10% off of that. I um that is a good that is a good deal. Mm. That is a bloody good deal. But anyway, look, um, it's, we're delighted to be um associated with Signature Brew in any way whatsoever. So thanks, guys. Thanks very much, um, and um, I'll remind everyone of this again at the end. That was good, uh, that was good value for money for them, wasn't it? Goodness me, we went on about that for quite a while. It looks like nearly nine minutes, according <laughs> to my... <laughs> we'll tighten that up as the weeks go, go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we're just, normally we do a bit of banter at the start, we do a little bit of chat about what we're doing, and that was just a sort of chat about... It was a bit you know, of you, it was a bit of You being drunk, it's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Also, uh, go over to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. That's where you can sign up for our extra exclusive content. Our OPEF special is up now. The classic album on Ghost Reveries is available. If you're listening to this on Friday, the day it comes out, on Monday, uh, you'll be getting Orchestra of Walls. Not Orchestra of Walls. No, you will be getting a chat on Orchestra of Walls, but it's mainly on Grey Britain. Um, And All Things Gallows, which was my pick. So that should be good as well. I really like doing that. Oh, it was really good fun. Um, Really good. Yeah, it was excellent. It was excellent. Um, Rightactpodcast.com if you want to have a look for our merch as well. Still haven't done any of the merch stuff. There's been other things going on. Slappy wrist for both of us. Um, But anyway, Renfrey. Sorry, my fault. Yeah, that's all right. Don't worry. Um, Let's talk about the Art Tangent lineup. Oh, yes. Goodness me. There's even more exciting things happening. I'm going to leave you to this to you, Renfrey. Okay, all right. This is a bit of you, isn't it? Well, we are um, exclusively announcing the bill for the Wednesday. Yes, it's going to be open on a Wednesday this year as well. That's going to be like four days of absolute insanity. I'll probably get drunk quite a lot there as well. Hopefully Signature Bill will sort me out. Yes, please. Um, uh, But before I do that, uh, because I know that some people will probably have tuned into this podcast specifically to find out what the Arctangent bill is. I'm going to make you wait. Let's talk about the bands who have already been announced mm-hmm. for the yep. uh, for the festival. So joining the already announced Opeth uh, as second headliner Arctangent is Cult of Luna, who are effectively hell, brilliant. Yes, please. Effectively replacing Chelsea Wolfe um, as mm. she isn't touring next year. Thoughts on that, Steve? Apart from fucking well, brilliant. I- uh, great. I mean, I really hope they don't clash with A, um, <laughs> as that would be, uh, you know, a bit of a pain for me, you know, like having to make that decision again. But yeah, Cult of Luna, um, I, I, I think like, I mean, I've never seen Chelsea Wolf live on her own. I've seen her doing a bit of um, Converge Blood Moon and I would have really loved to have seen Chelsea Wolf, but I do feel like, it's hard to say, oh, I feel like this is better, um, even though I haven't seen one of them but i do feel like i'm put it this way i'm more excited about the idea of seeing cult of luna headline a festival than i was seeing chelsea wolf even though i really and that's not to downplay how much i like chelsea wolf because i really like chelsea wolf but this actually feels like a bit of an upgrade i think personally i i I think i think purely in terms of numbers i'm not talking about quality or anything like that purely in terms of numbers yes i do think it is a bit of an upgrade i loved the fact that chelsea wolf was headlining Um, I love the fact that there was a woman headlining a festival which is traditionally thought of as as a bit bit of a sausage fest Um, Mm -hmm. and it's a shame that that can't happen but you know she's chosen not to tour in 2021 so that's that's the reason basically Um, but joining 
uh, Cult of Luna and Opeth are, I mean, I'm just going to do highlights and my highlights are over a page long. So I'm just going to get through these as quickly as possible. We have Armin Ra, Tesseract, mm -hmm. Enslaved, Leprous, Mono, your favourites, Jaggy Jazzist, Oathbreaker, The Locust, Maybe She Will, Rolo Tomasi playing two sets, The World is a Beautiful Place and I Am No Longer Afraid to Die, Alcest, The Locust, I've put The Locust twice, I'm going to take that out, Pert <laughs> <laughs> Perturbator, Carbomb, Caspian, Frontera, Agent Fresco, Jamie Lemon, Oms, Intronaut, Racket Cannon, yes, Earth Tone 9, Elephant Tree, A.A. Williams, Wheel, Svalbard, Tides from Nebula, Talons, Joe Quail, Alpha Male Tea Party, Boss Keloid, Down I Go, Fall of Messiah, Vassa, The Hirsch Effect, Herod, The Hyena Kill, Thumper Monkey, The Guru Guru, Spook the Horses, The Samuel Jackson 5, Curses Metal Hands, Atan, God Alone, Brickville, Bodyhound, Mountain Caller, Cold Bones, and I don't know this band, but I wanted to say their name because it's Shake the Baby Till the Love Comes Out. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, quite. I've never heard I mean, of them, but there you go. No, I, Love Comes Out of Who? Hopefully the baby and not you, because that's so, yeah. a really dodgy name if if that's the case. Um, yeah, that is that is for the sort of stuff. I mean, I was going to say for the sort of stuff you love, but actually, to be fair, for the sort of stuff we love yeah. um, collectively, that is a pretty fucking astonishing group of bands. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, that that is basically when I say the highlights, that is basically the bands that I want to see more or less. Um, how I'm going to see all of those bands in uh, three days, I don't know. Um, a lot of it is the same as uh, as was announced for the 2020 lineup, which I think is all fair and good uh, because that was a great, great lineup and that we didn't obviously get to see. Um, I think a couple of things that are worthy of note, it's great to see that Oathbreaker are still playing uh, because yeah. that will be their first show back for like three or four years by the time it comes around. Um, I think it's worth pointing out that Racket Cannon are still playing because Racket Cannon technically played their last ever show uh, this year, but the fact that they... Or, or was it earlier this year or last year? I can't remember now, but they played their last ever shows in Belgium. Um, and the fact that now their last ever show will actually be Arc Tangent, I think is a really special thing. And Racket Cannon are a phenomenal live act. So I'm really excited by the fact that we get to see Racket Cannon. I think the most exciting addition to this bill for me personally, it's quite a small one in terms of size, but down I go are playing yeah yeah you said you mentioned this to me i mean, I mean we talked about them very briefly on a trade-off over a year ago didn't we, we there was a trade-off um, we also reviewed their latest ep which you really oh, liked yes, as well is, yeah yeah um yeah. I, I mean just an absolutely bonkers kind of i don't know jazz inflicted hardcore band i guess i mean even that feels a little bit unfair and doing them a bit of a disservice but basically the reason it's exciting is because they never play live these days because uh all of their members live in totally different parts of the world so the fact that art tangent have got them back together for the first time in maybe 10 years or so is incredibly exciting i'm very very yeah. excited about that um can I express one little bit of disappointment before of we go? Um, and it's obviously nobody's fault. Um, bit disappointed with the lack of swans. I'm hoping yeah. that there's still. I would. I would really wanted to see swans there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that is a little bit disappointing. But you know, you can't have everything. You can't. Obviously, have and you can't have it being exactly the same. But yeah, I mean, that's more a fuck you 2020 than a 
yeah. fuck you 2021 to be honest Absolutely. but um but yeah i was like oh man really wanted to see swans bummer but it's nobody's fault obviously i was just like oh yeah swans. no no i agree that is a shame but it's just one of those things isn't it, <laughs> it is uh yeah. i'm sure they'll be playing their own shows at some point as well because i don't think they've played any shows to um, support that new album yet have they not over here they haven't no uh, um so in terms of the yeah. exclusive announcement which we finally got around to after all that <laughs> preamble um we can exclusively announce 10 bands that are going to be playing on the wednesday uh which is basically the earliest that art tangent has ever opened they're opening an additional early day for uh just as a kind of like thank you for standing sticking by them after all this covid nonsense um and the elephant in the bar room stage uh will be hosting 10 bands on the Wednesday evening, I assume. And those 10 bands are as follows. The St. Pierre Snake Invasion, Memory of Elephants, Foxjaw, Luo, Sugar Horse, Ogive's Big Band, Poisonous Birds, Modern Rituals, Mutant Thoughts, Mother Vulture, and Lightning Sharks. That is a bit of Riot Act, isn't it? That's quite a few bands that we have gone hoopla for yes over the last sort of year or so sugar horse mother vulture fox jaw saint pierre snake invasion yeah, memory of elephants. poisonous birds yeah. memory of elephants there's a lot of stuff there modern that rituals. we've been modern rituals that we've been like yes good this is good music yep. so yep. even that is either bands i know i like or bands i haven't heard Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I personally don't know Mutant Thoughts or Lightning Sharks. Uh, the rest mm-hmm. I'm at least aware of. Um, but yeah, that's that's a actually a very strong... Like, if that was an all-dayer that was put on in London or something like that, I'd be like, I'm absolutely going to that. That's going to be an incredible show, you know. So, and I'm assuming it's going to be like a limited capacity. I mean, Elephant in the Barroom stage... Oh, goodness, it's quite a small... It's the stage, if you've been to Art Tangent before, it's the stage that's in with the merch tent. I don't know if that'll be the same setup as as normal. So it's probably only a couple of thousand people that you can get in there. But that'll be a really nice little aperitif to the festival as a whole, I think. Um, mm. Aperitif? Aperitif? Is that the... Aperitif. 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 I'm not French. Aperitif written in small capitals. <laughs> uh, see, talking is not is not not that easy. So that's that sentence yeah. proved. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake! Um, yeah, but yeah, good. Like really, really good. It's it's strong, it's ridiculous. To be totally honest with you, most years with Arc Tangent, I look at the the lineup and just get anxiety about the sheer amount of bands that i want to see um this is very anxiety inducing for me but in a good way Mm. (laughs) oh i love being the good sort of anxious yeah (laughs) i i I like a positive panic attack just just in terms of how the fuck am i gonna fit it all in i don't know well you're not you're not you have to accept you're not i'm not no no have to accept that you're you're not gonna see everyone you want to see unfortunately Yeah, but there's a good there's a good like forty five bands there that I want to see myself. 
Mm. I mean, I can't really recall any other festival. You can stomp your feet as much as you want, but <laughs> you're not going to see them. I want to see all 45. I want, I want. The yeah, king of fucking Arctangent with his yeah. free creative. The guys from Signature Brew walking behind him with like a, a beer bong, topping him up whenever he feels like it. Bam's going, sorry, we can't play yet, everyone. We can't play. Renfrey's still wandering from the fucking merch stand to our set. Like, come on. Who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> King of Arc Tangent, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, yes, but um, uh, I'm sure. It's I, be... I do that. I do that at Ghost Fest. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. It's going to be a jolly good time, anyway. Either mm. way. But yeah, that is a that is a hell of a bill. Um, it's going to be the best festival of uh, next summer, I reckon. Let's hope it happens. Let's hope it happens. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, Idols, congratulations to them, even though we haven't actually had official confirmation that they will be number one in the UK album charts. They will be number one in the UK album charts, outselling the rest of the top five combined. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by all accounts. So, so hence, we are happy to report this news as news, even though it hasn't technically already happened. But yeah, unless it's going to happen. A massive surge for one of the other other artists. Um, that's incredible, isn't it? And um, I, <laughs> I, I promise you, I'm not doing this in a snide way. Um, but it was interesting you you saying last week that you suspected and you were unsure that maybe this would be a drop-off point for idols. And it's really good to see that that's not the case at all by the sounds of it. Well, well, to give myself a little bit, to stand up for uh-huh. my own opinion a little uh-huh. bit, uh-huh. that doesn't necessarily mean that. They might get to number one and within a year, I'm saying within a year, okay. there could be a sort of a, a drop-off. Like, they, I'm not... This is the, the follow-up album to the massive album. Uh-huh. Always that gets a lot of traction. I, I don't think, you know, I, I think we're pretty much... Everything we said last week, I, I still stand by. Mm-hmm. It's not as good a record as the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that means that people aren't going to listen to it or aren't going to be interested in it at all. I just think that um, there's that plus the obvious backlash, plus the kind of fickle nature of the people that probably are listening to it at the moment who, you know, aren't picking up I Like Trains or um, Bambara, but they are picking up Idols. Mm-hmm. Um you know what kind of crossover audience does that have we don't really know it's too mm-hmm. early to say at the moment and where does you know where does that sit in kind of 12 18 months time i don't know um That's fair. but i would suspect that you know there's if idols carry on making the type of music they're making i would suspect that the longevity of their career will they're not going to be like i mean we spoke about gallows and we spoke about yeah. the sort of similarities between Idols and Gallows. And, you know, obviously Great Britain only went in at number 20 and then they got dropped immediately. So this is it's already they've done better than Gallows did. Um, but there was a similar sort of backlash from quote unquote punks. And we spoke about how the enemy just fucked off Gallows after a couple of months when they were like, oh, well. Yeah. And you never know. You never know. That that could happen is all I'm saying. Um, but good for them. I don't want to sort of be a killjoy if they get a number one album amazing yeah you know yeah. it was only two years ago that we were talking about the last record and we were like well there seems to be a bit of hype around this band and yeah. i remember being like i think something big's gonna happen when i said i think something big's gonna happen i thought maybe they might sell out the forum yeah 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 exactly yeah yeah i think it's, so, i think i think it's i think it's great news i mean obviously i'm sure all that um all the chat around them has 
helped this enormously. Um, it, you know, it's the, the irony of it, isn't it? All the people who have complained about it are probably the exact people who have gotten to number one in the first place. Um, mm -hmm. So there you go. Uh, if you have a stupid opinion, maybe shut up. Um, nice to see that uh, Deftones are in at number five at the moment as well. That is just nice. I hope they get a top five uh, placing yeah. at the very least uh, because yeah. uh, Deftones are fucking ace, as we have previously discussed on this show. Mm. Yeah, uh, but like I said, though, <laughs> Deftones at number five, nothing changes. They've not gone. There's not a whole new load of people. There's no drop yeah. off. It's just it, like that continual fucking thing. That Deftones train continues to roll along at a pace, but at a very, very steady pace. I think that's wicked. People who love them, like you and I, are going to love them, aren't they? They're going to love that. They're often the best bands. They're often the best bands. Of course bands. they are. So, you know. Of course they are, yeah. Um, Stuart Gelbraith of Kilimanjaro, this is an interesting one as well, um, was interviewed and he says, Kilimanjaro obviously did Sonosphere before, they put on a lot of gigs. Um, I have a fairly close relationship with a few of the people there. Yes. Or Alan there, um, Alan and Dave. And um, 8th of April, 2021, is the date in which he is aiming that is the date that they have in their calendar to aim in which to get live gigs coming back, which is slightly later than some of the gigs that have been announced already for 2021. I believe, speaking of idols, their tour is March mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 2021. Yeah. So uh, who knows? Um, I mean, that feels like both a really, really long way away, but also not that too far in advance of the future you know well it's six months away as we speak just over mm. but i think what i the reason why i thought that this was encouraging is that um fair play to Stuart galbraith for putting his neck on the line and um attempting to put a date out there at least and give some idea because you know we're not getting any kind of regimented uh we're not getting any clear idea from anyone else, i.e. the government mainly, as to when the hell we're going to be able to return with live music. And, you know, he's not saying that this is definitely, definitely, definitely going to happen. Um, but it's also based on some relatively decent uh, rhetoric, I think. Just to quote him from, it was Music Week who um, interviewed him. He said, we've got some big asks still of government and we really need to focus upon those. Number one is a date. When can we get going? And I think that we should be pushing for a date that is April 8th. The reason I say that is A, it's immediately after Easter. And B, I think government will be able to find that acceptable. I think it will fit in with political and society agendas. It's midweek, so it's not going to be a date you're going to see people go crazy on like a Saturday. And we could ease into it. The government announcements were really just playing out what we have been anticipating for the last two or three months. It's not realistic to expect we can open without social distancing at full capacity until the virus is perceived across society to be contained. And that full capacity gigs and mass gatherings are not only scientifically estimated to be safe, but are also accepted by the customer as having the confidence to come to those shows. So there's a fine line to tread. He's shown his workings there and I like that. Yes, me too. I mean, the thing is, is unfortunately, I mean, uh, you probably haven't paid any attention to this because it's not something you're interested in. But obviously, I have been paying a lot of attention to getting fans back into football stadiums mm -hmm. recently. Mm -hmm. And that was something which was going to happen. I mean, last weekend, I mean, my team, mm. Portsmouth, were going, were put themselves forward as a test case of can we have a thousand fans in the stadium? for the game that was played on Saturday. Now, out of that interest, was, do you have any idea how big the stadium is? How what the capacity 20, is? 
21,000. 21,000. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And so it was going to be 250 fans on each side of the stadium. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, all with a set time that when they had to turn up to go through the turnstile. Okay. Right. Um, now, to me, that seems. I mean, I've been to that. Sta- I've been going to that stadium since I was four years old. Yep. It's. Ma- it, it's not massive, but compared to the, I would say ninety. Well, actually, compared to everything bar the O2, it's bigger than every music venue that you and I attend or oh, would have attended on bigger, a regular basis. Bigger than the O2. O2 is eighteen thousand five hundred. Yeah. So it's a similar mm. size to the O2. And if there, and it's also outdoor as well. Yeah. yeah. Now, <laughs> that got curtailed at the last minute. I think sort of two days beforehand. Right. So there were there there had been a raffle with people who were saying you know like you, everyone kind of applied for tickets and it was going to be a thousand people picked out and I believe they'd actually picked a thousand people out who they were about to inform. Yes, you will be invited to come to the game. Do we know why and it was then, curtailed? Well, the whole because of the new because the, of the, the new lockdown, but not the lockdown. Well, not lockdown, but the new laws that were, have come in yeah. has said that now they uh, they're going right. There's not going to be any fans in stadiums for the rest of the season, which mm. ends in May. Mm. Um, Jesus, which you know, and that, that happened two days before the game was going to take place. And I, you know, to me, it's like you can have all these plans and you can think all these things and this and that and the other, but it just takes one kind of on a whim decision from the government based on who who even knows what who even knows why they're making these decisions at this point like i have no fucking idea um who knows what the sort of thought behind (laughs) most of this stuff is oh we're going to close pubs an hour early and now if you go into a coffee shop you have to wear a mask Mm -hmm. unless you're sat down and then you don't um yeah the whole thing's i mean you know i don't want to get people will either know exactly what i'm talking about and agree with me or they'll be (laughs) just totally blinkered to not want to agree with any kind of criticism to the government whatsoever and that's fine you can think whatever you like but i don't really know why those sort of restrictions are happening so i think hopefully by the 8th of april next year when that shit happened when they're trying to kind of push this stuff through uh we'll be in a much more a much looser type of society at that point a much you know the 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 regulations will have eased right down but if the idea that you can't get a thousand people in an outdoor football stadium, which holds twenty-one thousand people, mm. for one game for like ninety minutes, mm. um, now and probably they're saying not until gone May. Mm. I mean, even the eighth of April seems very, very unlikely to me. Just yeah. to be perfectly honest. Yeah, we'll have to see. I just think I just think it's a very brave thing to actually come out and say something at least and and it, it's somewhat encouraging and fair play to Stuart Galbraith for for doing so whether he ends up being right or wrong we'll just have to see but at least yeah. at least he's making some effort to um to try and get things kick-started I'm not saying that there aren't other people in the industry who are doing that there's plenty of people who are trying to do that but I think by putting a date on it and something to aim for it makes it feel like yeah, it, it it tunnels, uh, it tunnels all of our sort of resources and ideas towards a date, and it gives us a definitive thing to aim for. I would love to think, and I would love to believe that that is going to happen in April. But I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I think because I've been looking at the the football stuff, it's made me go, "Oh God, if they can't do that, you're not getting into the underworld unless it's like five of you." 
<laughs> no, sure. I mean, we'll just we'll just have to see. We will just have to see. Mm. You let me take a massive sip of tea, then, and you just ended your sentence. Well, I didn't have much more to add. All oh, right. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for covering for me, man. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. Let's do some reviews. Um, let's start with Jonesy. Hey, Jonesy, man. Jonesy. Uh, no, Jonesy is uh, not, not Scottish not at Scottish, all. No. Um, Shiver, the second studio album by the Icelandic musician, mostly known to you and I and most people as um, a member of Shigaross. Uh, this comes 10 years after his previous solo effort, Go. Uh, I've not heard that, Renfrey. I you have. have? Yep. It's, Any good? It's uh, very playful. Uh, it's very happy sounding. Uh, it's oh. very major key. Um, mm. It's quite poppy, as is this in some ways, but this is more of a kind of fucked up kind of poppy. Um, it's very okay. different to this record, Shiver. Um, but yes, mm. it's, this, it is technically the follow up to that record, which is 10 years old. E yeah, you are also a big fan of Shigaross. I'm a huge Shigaross fan. Um, I absolutely adore them. They're probably in my top 10 bands ever. I fucking love them. Uh, top 10? Oh, certainly top 20. Um, I love any band who... I talk about it all the time on this podcast. Any band who have a very distinctive, unique sound. And um, Shigaross are just a band that undeniably have a distinctive unique sound the moment you put them on it's just like well there's a cigarette uh even jonesy to a certain degree um i mean i think we're probably going to talk about cigarettes quite a lot during this uh uh during this um review because uh you can't really hear Jonesy's voice without thinking of Cigarose, I don't think. Mm. I mean, even even you, I know you've only heard a, a couple of Cigarose albums, I think. About three or four. I mean, you gave me Tack, didn't you? Which I had No, heard I gave time. you Kaveka. Kaveka? Kaveka. Kaveka. Oh, yes, that's right. So, yeah, no, I've heard. So, yeah, I, I've heard the one, the fucking Symbols, 2002, that one. And then oh, Tack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Kaveka. Are the ones that I've actually listened to, um, but that's about it, really. And I've heard a bunch, you know. I've I've heard singles and songs and seen a few videos and stuff. And I was I was quite like Sigaros, mm. but probably not enough to go like room right into them. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm coming at this from a bit of a like, you know, not entirely clued up perspective on Jonesy's entire back catalogue whereas you are oh so yeah. that's probably quite good um this album has been produced by ag cook who has done the last two charlie xcx albums which are pretty much i would say as critically acclaimed as pop music can humanly be um and i'm just going to say this straight away uh renfrey i was shocked Jonesy with the pop bangers <laughs> who saw that who saw that coming i i didn't mm. To be honest, when you said, in fact, to give you everyone a little kind of peek into behind the curtain, I was happy to do this record because mm. I thought it was something I, I assumed it would be something quite different yeah. from everything else that we were doing this week, which it is. Um, but at the same time, I mean, Matt Berenger from The National had an album out this yeah. week, which we didn't get hold of. Yeah. And previous to me hearing this album, if you just said to me, what are you more excited about or what would you be more likely to want to listen to the John Z album or the Matt Berenger album? I probably, well, no, I would have said the Matt Berenger album at this point, having heard this record, 
Um, I'm really fucking glad that we got this one and that we didn't get the Matt Berenger album because I think I would have definitely missed out on something had I not have listened to this. I'm fucking delighted. Um, uh, I, I think that... I, oh, God, I just love this. I love John Z so much. I just think he's an absolutely stellar, incredible artist. Um, <clears throat> a musician who has a very signature definitive sound yeah um but also manages to experiment and do things that he hasn't done before which he does on this record uh, and i think uh, ag cook is a big part of this collaboration i think that's a big part of um what makes this record so weird and unusual and fucked up basically and what but what is essentially i mean the guardian described it I think I think John Z self described it actually uh, in the Guardian as a gay electro pop record, which <laughs> yeah, kinda. Um, mm. it, it, it has moments of 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 that certainly that kind of Euro pop thing, um, but it's a lot more than that as well. I think I think that's um, um, underselling it quite a bit. Just to read a tiny bit of press note stuff, um, just because I think the actual collaboration and how um, he started working with Ag Cook is quite interesting. John Z had made a career on sweeping music that plumbed the depths of the human experience and our connection to the natural world. With his multi-million selling award-winning band Sigaros, John Z transmuted the rugged terrain of Iceland into music that sounds pure, organic and untouched by the modern world, even as it exists comfortably within it. Cook's production exists at the opposite end of the spectrum. Synthetic, sometimes abrasive and often on the cutting edge of experimentalism. On paper, their collaboration is surprising, but Shiver is a beautiful record that pushes John Z's otherworldly voice into startling new territories. Yes, absolutely agreed. Um, hmm. They say on paper their collaboration is surprising. I'd say on paper their collaboration doesn't sound like it should work at all. Um, and yet it does. As a fan, I think that what surprised me most about this release is um, how... John Z has the basic structure of these organic, cinematic, beautiful songs that are often then taken in, haunted, manipulated, and frankly fucked up, but in a good way, by this synthetic and often, yeah, these quite synthetic and often quite abrasive beats. It shouldn't really work, but then strangely it does, doesn't it, in the main? It really does. And that, I mean, and for me, coming into it, I mean... It doesn't come in with all the shit that I really love about this album. It doesn't come in straight away. I mean, you get the opening of Exhale, which is just a series of chords, electronic kind of chords and some keys before John Z kind of literally breathes into the album. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it does the thing which I kind of thought it probably would do, which is rises and builds and sways and those chords are added to mm -hmm. some sort of electro pulses and those bigger moments. And when it kind of, when it finally, it, it feels like the sun coming up over a mountain. And when it mm. finally, when that sort of beam hits you, the warmth of the song hits you, it's, it's really, really brilliant and beautiful. And I was like, this is a great opening. This is a hell of an opening, but I'm not, particularly surprised by what this sounds like I, I was like it's kind of an, an electro Seeger Ross 
thing. Yeah, I do right? agree. And I, and I will say um, the first track, Exhale, I mean, I'd say bar the last minute of the track. Um, but absolutely, I listened to it and I was like, this is lovely and it's really good and I like it a lot. But it could have been on any Sigaros mm. record, more or less. I think what's interesting on it as well is we got sent this on SoundCloud. So if you, you can literally see it because you can see the the sound waves of what happens yes. you can literally see and it's kind of a spoiler for the song really because yeah, you can see yeah. at the end you know the the highest point of the song is right at the very very end mm. but i suppose you know it's it's the journey not the destination mm. isn't it mm. really mm. um and it literally like it hits that high point about five seconds from the end which you know uh, is no accident i'm sure and um and by the end of it i thought this sort of has the beat and the pulse of something approaching a very strange pop song. Mm. Even though it was like, it's not, it's not a million miles away from what I would expect from his work that I've heard. It's kind of, I was like, you know, this is kind of a little bit poppy, not, not poppy as in, you know, I'm not talking about Rick Astley or anything. You know what I mean? I'm talking about the way that modern pop kind of is, I think you said it's synthetic. Yeah. It did have that, a touch of that in it and i was like hmm maybe there's gonna be like if he starts to lean on that a little bit more and I, you know i liked it but even i think the first two songs i was like yeah okay um this is pretty good mm-hmm. but i thought maybe it would take a little bit more than that to really grab me and make me think that it's wicked i mean shiver the second song sort of pulls a similar trick um that it takes a long time before it actually sort of fully kicks in mm-hmm. But it's such a fleeting glimpse of that as well. It's almost like a mirage. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like you hear it and you go, did that just... And then it's sort of gone. Yeah. Because it's so brief. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at that point I was like, this is this is pretty good. Yeah. This is kind of pretty good. And then it goes bonkers. Um, there's some really interesting percussive stuff on this record, I think it's fair to say. And I believe this is where the AG yeah. Cook stuff comes in. Um, just to take one example, actually... Um, not of a song that really utilizes it, but the last minute of Exhale, the first song. I mean, it sounds like someone's doing some sort of drum and bass beat, but only using kitchen cutlery. It is very yeah. experimental and odd in the stuff that it tries, but it really, really works. Um, but these really big percussive, almost dance-like elements um, to this album are things that I don't think people would tend to associate with John Zora's work with Sigaros. And those beats sound really, really I mean, I was trying to figure out the word for it, because I don't think heavy is the right word for it. But they sound big. Mm. I, I have quite, I have a nice sound system to listen to music from uh, on my computer, showing off there, uh, because uh, well, I end up listening to a lot of music uh, on from my computer for this job. And I have the subwoofer at my feet and it was giving me a lovely massage during the likes of uh, Wild Eye, the fourth song, for example, which is really where it starts to get very skittery and odd. And really where this kind of haunting quality starts to come into the record. Um, and it reminded me of Code Orange, in a way. The way that it's a far more organic kind of approach to it. But the way that something like Forever or even Underneath... You know how we've described those records as being haunted by the glitches and so on and so mm. forth? 
it this record i thought you could view in exactly that same way it's just almost like an ambient version of what mm. code orange are doing wild eye yeah. uh, another odd comparison maybe but one which i think is perfectly apt uh, wild eye reminded me of nine inch nails is the great destroyer but put through a more kind of nordic organic filter um man you you got some very different um uh reference points to the ones that i've got written down i can tell you that i much. think that's great good because i because yeah, yeah, i yeah. think i think that's the beauty of this record i had a feeling that you'd have some very different reference points but i think mm. that's what's excellent about this record because it sounds yeah. so it really does sound unlike anything else you've ever heard and i think as a result everyone's reference points are going to be really really different to it so what yeah. what what did you pick up well I mean, you've skipped a track there because mm. I would go back to the point where I was like, okay, this now has gone from being something which I thought was quite good to being potentially something really special mm. is Cannibal, Absolutely. which again is very slow moving, yeah. very glacial, um, but it has a hook that sounds like a really ethereal, slowed down version of Shotgun by George Ezra. <laughs> right? Now... And that will sound mental. Having you just mentioned Code Orange and um, Nine Inch Nails, yeah. for me to bring up George Ezra. <laughs> Little George Ezra, yeah. Um, and that might, you know, it might feel like I'm taking a piss or I'm slagging it off. But actually, those kind of hooks are really, really difficult to concoct. Mm. And when you are concocting them in a song which takes kind of floaty ambience stabbing electronic parts mm. throbbing electronic bass ethereal woozy floating vocals but yet it has something where you just go i just can't really get that hook out of my head mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like i think that's really difficult i mean shotgun by george ezra it's not a great song but it is an <laughs> annoyingly catchy hook and you've i feel like they've manipulated that to a place where it's more than just an annoyingly catchy hook. Mm. It's actually something bordering on genius. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And um, and I thought it was like I thought it was so impressive that they managed to bury that to basically bury that hook underneath so much other stuff. But yet that hook is so great that I kept coming back to it. And it also has, I mean, again, Liz Fraser from the Cocktoo Twins being fucking awesome She's on that track as well yeah. doing her best kate bush and well her best liz fraser from the cocktoo twins as well like really good there's a great story about how liz fraser um came to be on this record so apparently cigarettes were compared to cocktoo twins quite a lot when they first started out um mm. and uh, it was a comparison a comparison that john z never really liked um even though he hadn't really listened to the band i think he just didn't like being compared to any band full full stop you know because they were trying to make their own path uh out into the world but then he um finally caved and listened to the band a couple of years ago and really got into them and was just like oh i was an idiot for not listening to them because cocktail twins are amazing uh and that's why he asked liz fraser to be on this record and mm. um thank fuck he did because it's wonderful it sounds absolutely incredible um mm. it's definitely my favorite of the two uh guest spots we'll go on to the next one a bit later but um yeah yeah, I yeah, bet we will. yeah, yeah. um uh, uh, but, but no cannibals well you an mentioned amazing song. cannibals an cannibals amazing, amazing. Song. um i think um 
Wild Eye has got the same start of kind of Black Celebration era Depeche Mode, which you mentioned in Nine Inch Nails makes that connection. Uh, that like uh, obviously yeah. Black Black Celebration is hugely influential, as we spoke at length on our patreon.com forward slash right act podcast go over and listening to um i was talking about depeche mode um then it goes into this sort of proper again a modern pop hook and john z is emoting over that with these really delicate soundscapes and then again the ending is full-blown depeche mode 1985 clanging and banging i fucking love it it's um it's a song that's it sounds like it's being bookended by what sounds like a rave in a forest uh, yeah. And it's exciting when you listen to something and go, yeah, I don't think I've ever quite heard this before, mm. you know, mm. and and I haven't. As I say, it is kind of like code orange, but fed through a cigarose filter, fed through a far yeah. more kind of organic, beautiful, mellifluous filter. But it but it does have that sense of haunted glitchiness to it. Um, mm. I have no idea if, if John Z is a Code Orange fan or not. I, have, I don't know, but but I absolutely made that uh, link personally. Yeah. I mean, and then I think the second half of the album it just goes on this mad run of songs, which I just I just love. Yeah. I mean, Corral might yeah. be my favourite song on the album. Yes. Just this fucking, again, an absolute earworm, but it floats around. It's lovely. It's got... It's one of the few moments where there's a real sense of pace and urgency yes. or one of the first moments where there's a sort of pace and urgency that I feel like you don't, again, I, I don't associate that with John Z at all. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it's sort of finished up by these massive broken avant-garde drum patterns yeah i just think is amazing that's another um, that's another song that really sounds haunted by ag cook's uh beats doesn't it i think yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and then you get robin doing salt licorice mm. um which could be some kind of eurovision meets the ant word mashup mm. <laughs> <laughs> made by an 8-bit keyboard now I think what I've just said, some people would consider an insult. And I think Renfrey probably would be one of those people. But I think this is glorious, this song. Okay. It's gloriously, it's like, it's so, I mean, we're going to talk about some fucking OTT shit today. Yes, we are. But that manages to be as OTT, that, that goes, I think this goes toe to toe with anything else that we're talking about with today. In terms of just like, and Corey Taylor would go in like, mm. OTT. T. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It is, it is, but it's. I mean, I I think it's great. It's uh, what pop music should be. I think. I. Uh, it's the only. It's the only song on the album that doesn't work for me. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and say that it's a bad quote unquote song because I don't think it is at all. Um, it's just a tad too pop for my tastes. I actually think the description that you've just given it is actually very good. I think that's a very good description indeed. <laughs> um, but uh, regular listeners to this show will know immediately that that description would turn me off massively. Um, but even I have to bow down and admit that it's hardly a conventional pop song in any sense of the word. But and I, and I I do think I definitely do think it is a pop song, even if it is completely unconventional. And I also see loads of merit in it. It is clearly brilliantly constructed and kind of genius in a way, the way that it's put together. Um, but I personally find it cloying and an annoying, if I'm honest. It's a tad too day glow for my taste. But that is purely a taste issue. That has nothing to do with quality or anything like that. I think it is a brilliantly composed and constructed song. I love it. And at that point, I mean, after this, 
Uh, I mean, I've got like Swill. I love the start of yeah. Swill. I thought it was going to be like Lady Gaga or Beyonce. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds that massive. Yeah. But then it comes in with this kind of mad auto-tuned electric folk banger. It's like Bon Iver doing the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it, it's mental. And then Grenade sounds a bit like Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus, but made in the Alps or some shit. Like it's yeah. fucking great. Grenade may well... Uh... I think Corral is a really good shout for best song on the record, but Grenade may well be mine. It just, it breaks my heart. Um, the lyrics on, I mean, it's kind of unusual to hear John Z singing in English. He did sing in English for uh, his first solo album as well, but I suppose mm. that makes it slightly distinct from Sigaros because normally he's singing in Icelandic or Hopelandic, um, which is just sort of gobbledygook Icelandic. Um, but the... Uh, Insulting? To, uh, good, to good people. Whatever. <laughs> but that is literally what it is. That is literally what it is. They, they even have a song called Gobbledygook, which is an ode to Hopelandic. Thank you very much. Um, right. But um, Grenade Breaks My Heart because whilst I don't think John Z is the sort of person to ever kind of um, talk about these sorts of things in the press or admit it or anything like that, that to me feels like it's a song about um, his breakup with his partner, Alex Summers, um who he was with for 16 years i think they were together for a very long time and they broke up last year um and it just has these beautiful lyrics carefully remove the pin from the grenade stand with you i stand with you i've turned you down and uh i just get very teary when i listen to that song i think oh god it is. and i've just compared it to wrecking ball <laughs> well that's okay um I, I i i you know i think it's potentially a response to a separation from Alex Summers. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not, but certainly it's the way that I've read it. And uh, it is, I think it's really heartbreaking. I mean, a relationship of 16 years breaking up and they, they made albums together, you know, they did like, yeah. And mm. uh, oh, I, I, I think it's a really beautiful song. Grenade It's yeah. absolutely incredible. If I was going to give any kind of constructive criticism I would have ended on Grenade, personally. Ah. I don't think Beautiful Boy is, is probably is the right way and the right song to end the album with, but I'm not really that keen on it as an album closer or as a, or as a song, actually. I thought it kind of, it went out with, I don't want to say disappointing, but I think it's probably my, I, would, I, I, I could have had those 10 tracks and been delighted with it. I didn't need Beautiful Boy at the end. I thought that was a bit like, I will confess that after Grenade, it is it, it is a bit of a it, like Grenade is such a high point, and it could have ended really quite beautifully on Grenade, um, and it almost feels like it is a little bit Return of the King. It's like how many endings do you need? Um, but uh, I don't dislike the song. I almost would have gone as far as to say that it could have been just put into a different track order and it could have been sequenced differently and um grenade would have been at the end having said that it's a relatively long album i don't know how long it is but it's a good hour or so isn't it but it does keep my attention throughout is it really an hour i think it's pretty long yeah it yeah. doesn't feel like an hour to see no. I, I i don't know um exactly how long it is and i don't have anything here telling me exactly how long it is so i don't know but yeah thinking about it like most of the songs are close to the you got 11 songs a couple that are six minutes, a couple that are, or a couple that are just under six minutes, one that is six minutes. Most of them are at least four minutes, four and a bit, a couple yeah. of three and a bit. It's like, yeah, I suppose it must be 
coming up close to an hour i guess i, I think it i think it must be close to it at least you know um and yet it keeps my interest throughout because uh oh it's 52 minutes and 28 seconds according to the wikipedia entry so yeah close to an hour um and i think it i think it keeps your interest throughout like very 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 well because it's very it's very different i think throughout you know it it goes to lots of different places and it does it in quite a subtle way but it really it really holds on to this record and doesn't let go i think there's something really i'm i'm absolutely delighted that you like it uh as much as you do um i was i had high expectations for this because i think john z is an incredible incredible artist but i have to admit this is totally surpassed them i definitely definitely prefer this to go which i thought was an interesting project but um it's not an album i return to all that often if i'm totally honest um but this one i can see myself returning to for years to come yeah it's very good i i really like this i really am should i be that surprised probably not but i am a little bit surprised at how great i think this is it is really really good uh it's out now shiver by Jonesy. Well done, Jonesy man. I don't know why I keep doing him in I don't a know why Scottish, you keep doing that either. No. Scottish accent, but I no. do. Anyway, let's move on to uh, Enslaved. Still staying in Scandinavia, aren't we? Yes, uh, slightly different um, <laughs> style of music, but yeah. I'm, try- I'm trying to find some sort of link there, and I think that's where it is. Uh, Utgard by Enslaved, the 15th studio album from the the Norwegian prog metal vikings uh the follow-up to the pretty fucking wicked e from 2017 which i listened to a couple of months ago uh on vinyl and i was like ah this is bloody good Hmm. and i feel like that about most enslaved stuff i mean i have dipped in and out of enslaved's career since i first discovered them um on the kind of isa and rune days um actually off the back of our chat about ghost reveries um that we did on our patreon page yeah. i mean i think both of us said it it led us to sort of dig a little bit deeper into more challenging extreme metal artists and for me enslaved you know i bought rune off the back of getting ghost reveries right and that's when i started getting more into it and obviously isa was the one where they went from a black metal band occasionally with a few ideas of progressive vikingy stuff um into full-blown we're going to do something totally different now and um and since then since those kind of first couple that i got into i've always sort of kept an eye on them and there have been some that i've really liked there have been the occasional ones that i might have skipped um uh, you know i can tend to do one and then skip one so writ here in 2012 i really liked i mentioned e i thought that was really good mm-hmm. as well but there are a few that i've never gone out of my way to hear basically because I feel like they're a band who have kind of progressed to a point where they have now established. They have went on this, they, they evolved to a, to a point and the evolution ultimately has, you know, that core sound, that of Viking and black metal with a more melodious and progressive bent to it mm-hmm. is a fucking cool sound. Mm-hmm. But they've evolved to that to this point where I feel like I rarely hear anything that's truly surprising yeah. on an enslaved album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's not to say it's not good. Uh, it's just to say that they have got to the point where 
that early progression has plateaued, if you like. Am I, is that fair? Do you yeah, think? I think that's fair enough. I mean, we are talking about a band who are almost 30 years old and that sort of thing is going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And I think broadly that's quite fair. I'm mainly familiar with Enslaved's latter-day material rather than their newer stuff. You mentioned Ritter there, which is probably my favourite Enslaved record. Uh, mm. I do like E quite a lot, though, as well. I think In Times is quite good. I have a lot of time for Enslaved, and I certainly like them, but I very rarely get really excited by enslaved and i don't know if that's just familiarity reading contempt or just kind of like i mean that sounds way too harsh um using the word contempt but um it's very difficult for me to become really excited by a new enslaved record by this point i think because of what you've just said i feel like we're going to continue to get high quality output from enslaved but but i'm i don't feel like i'm going to hear anything that i've not heard before from them mm-hmm. um a lot of and, the and they are they are really good yeah they like are. you know yeah. they, they are good and they're always these albums are always enjoyable and i think maybe it's just i mean people might say well that's how i feel about deftones and yet you were raving about how essential they all are yeah. last week and yeah you know like i i mean i could argue we could probably both argue that actually there are more obvious thematic differences in each Deftones album than something like Enslaved. But then I guess it's how much of that particular thing do you need in your life? And I, and I, I say, f- I, I would also make the argument that Deftones sound more uniquely them, themselves than Enslaved do. I think there are a few bands who do what Enslaved do, and I don't think anyone does what Deftones do, really. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, but, you know, there's a limited amount of space for this type of thing in my life, particularly. So, you know, I only tend to go in on them if there's a whole bunch of hype around it or a lot yeah. of people said to me, oh, my God, the new Enslaved album, people whose opinions I trust have gone. That is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and this record, it starts with this proper kind of Norse sounding Viking chant thing on fires in the dark. And I was like, here we go then. Yes. You know, if someone said to me, what does Enslaved sound like? Yes, that is what I would, that is. is the first thing that would go into my head, popped into my head. It would be, yes, it's that kind of blackened, um, m- massive sounding Nordic chanted Viking-y pagan thing yeah. that they do, metal. And they're good at it. Um, I guess well, I'm going to bring that straight away since I've said all that. I think there is actually a couple of new things that they bring to the table on this. I mean, the main one being... Uryatin, which is track six, I want to say. Yeah, uh, that is... It takes that kind of post-punk thing that we've been talking about quite a lot. And I think we feel like we mention it every week, really. But it leans in really hard on it. Now, it's proper Joy Division. And I know that a lot of extreme metal bands have always spoken about the influence of Joy Division on them. I mean, Tom G. Warrior constantly went on about how joy division were a massive influence on all of the stuff that he was doing early in his career and there's been bands like autocrati who lent in quite heavy on that a couple of albums ago um obviously the sort of the post beast milk thing in extreme mm-hmm. um in extreme metal is you know that that's become quite a big influence but i've never heard enslaved lean in on it quite as much as they do on this record like it feels like a straight kind of post-punk song just sort of dropped in the middle of an enslaved album yeah it's um it's got some uh very cool synths that start that track which sound something something that you'd hear more from say the running man soundtrack or something like that 
you know, mm. um, which was not something that I ever really expected to hear on an enslaved record. And I thought that was cool. I thought it was a really cracking song, that uh, that song. I think something which you've sort of danced around there a little bit is, for me personally, this album takes a little while to get going. Not because the first couple of songs mm. are bad, but just because for the first couple of songs, I was just a bit like, I've heard this before enslaved like you like it, it, it's totally fine what you're doing and you know uh if i was a massive 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 enslaved fan then i'd be very happy to just hear the, the same thing over and over again um but i just quite quite like them as opposed to love them and certainly actually probably on the first listen i think the first couple of songs lulled me into this false sense of what the album was actually going to be and i didn't even notice uh i just had it on in the background but i didn't even notice that there were actually some new synthy elements to it and things like that until sort of the third fourth listen uh where those started to come out a little bit more for me um and yeah uh is definitely um one of those examples i mean storms of utgard has a proper head-banging riff in quite a in quite a different way to how enslaved normally are it's um mm. i'm not going to call it new metal because i'm not a fucking idiot um but it definitely has a gallop to it uh, a kind of bounce to it that immediately conjures sort of a more kind of black and iron maiden kind of feel which is no bad thing as far as i'm concerned i don't know if that'll be a bad thing as far as you're concerned or not but probably not um not really no homebound uh i think homebound is the first track where i go oh yeah this is good this is really good it's just got a massive chorus that reminds me of uh coma do you remember that band coma they did that album, yeah the second wave of the swedish yeah brilliant yeah. brilliant brilliant it's got some gnarly synths on it as well um i didn't really expect to find a as big a chorus uh on an enslaved song as uh you get on homebound and it's definitely a highlight for me um but to be if i'm totally honest with you that's the first point in this album where i really go oh yeah this is really starting to get going and it's track mm. four of a nine track album not that the first three not that there's anything wrong with the first three tracks in fact sequence i think certainly has a very ambitious sound to it yeah sequence is definitely again a little bit different i, I mean i don't think it's as different as like i say Uriotan, no. which you really do go like, whoa, they've that doesn't sound like enslaved at all. Mm. Um and it's pretty good. But yeah, I agree. It does take a little while. And actually, I mean I think it's I, I, just before you move off on. from se sequence, I think it's the kind of song that on paper sounds really fucking impressive, but isn't quite pulled off in practice. So it's a song that throws everything at the wall. There's brass in it, kettle drums, bells. There's a guitar solo midway through it that makes it sound like the song's melting or falling apart. I mean, this is all stuff that sounds like music to our ears, literally. Uh, um, but the man, I'm just not convinced by the way that it's put together. It do doesn't feel particularly satisfactory to me. It's kind of difficult to put my finger on on it as to why, but... I always I always love ambition in bands and them throwing loads of different things into it but for some reason it doesn't all quite gel together for me on sequence and it it does take a little bit of time for for me to warm up to this record. And at first I was mm. wondering is it me or is it the record? And now that I've heard it half a dozen times 
I think it's the record, but I'm not sure. No, I think it is the record. I mean, actually, yeah, that isn't, it is a sort of fairly bog standard start. And then you get a sort of, I would say a slightly misplaced piece of ambition before you get a good, a good piece of ambition. And and actually, I mean, there's a song like, I mean, you mentioned Homebound, which I've put is bordering on being a fairly straightforward heavy metal banger. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's and that's cool and um flight of thought of memory's got this really massive thrashy riff and it's got this ice cold solo really sort of icy nasty solo that comes after after it and it reminds you that enslaved are an extreme metal band a heavy band and they can sound evil and they can sound you know they can do that stuff really well and and metal you know it, it can be great when it does just go i want to sound fucking evil yeah and it's a really good reminder that you know, enslaved are capable of just writing great heavy songs. And I think there's kind of two or three songs towards the second half of this album where the best thing about it is the fact that you go, oh yeah, enslaved are, re-, you know, they're, they're, they can be really fucking heavy and they write really wicked metal riffs. H- um, Homebound and Storms of Upguard, I think are great examples of that. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I'm less keen as, as always, I am less keen on the sort of super folksy stuff anyway. I'm just, that's just not my bag not at all, cover. really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and there's obviously a bit of that. And they've always had a bit of that. But I, I mean, I would say that if somebody, you know, for someone who's got every Enslaved album, you're either going to be, I really love Enslaved and I really love everything about them. This is kind of more of that stuff. Great. Or you might be like us. We're like, I quite like Enslaved, mm. but not enough to get super duper excited about every album. Mm. And for me, like, I do think I probably prefer E to this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think E is more consistently good all the way through, even though I think this is probably probably catchier mm, yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, probably yeah, yeah. like if you like metal, it's probably catchier. And I would say, you know, if you're someone who doesn't know anything about Enslaved at all, but you like metal, um, and I, this wouldn't be the worst place to start with Enslaved. No, no it wouldn't be the worst place to start. Um I, I I would I would probably point people in the direction of Ritter just because I think that album's fucking incredible. But yeah, I don't think it's a bad place to start at all. Um, certainly, actually, in in a way, it is quite a good place to start because if you're not familiar with Enslaved, those first couple of songs will sound quite different to you. Fresh. Hopefully, yeah, quite different. fresh. It's just because mm. I am, you know, I'm not I'm not a fave with their entire back catalogue, but I'm certainly the last decade or so I know relatively well, um, and it just felt a bit this is just more enslaved that I've heard before, but you can't say that of the entire record at all. And there's definitely um, elements that they do expand on and things that we haven't heard from them before. Um, And overall, I think it's a, it's a really decent record. Um, I just don't, I just don't love it. I just like it very much, but that's okay. Yeah. I'm the same. Um, I think it's pretty good. Yeah. I think it's pretty good. And I like enslaved. Yeah. Um, Will it be one of the ones that I go back to? You know, will it become Ritir, Rune, Issa? Uh, it's a bit... Mm, I, in all honesty, probably not. I think if I, if in a year's time I go, oh, I really fancy listening to Enslaved, mm. I can't imagine this will be the one that I reach for because I'm just not... Again, to bring up... I know the, the, the Deftones comparison is a really, really fucking weird one, but when I think, oh, I feel like listening to Deftones... Who knows what album I could pick? Literally, could pick any of their yeah, albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas, in, but then I love them. Um, whereas with Enslaved, there's all, you know bands like that. There's always going to be I, I could name 20, 30 bands who all have 
you know, between sort of eight and 15 albums mm. who I like, but I only like three of those. I only really care about three of those albums, yeah. you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it doesn't make them a bad band. It doesn't make this a bad album. It just is, you know, I think it, it will all depend on your familiarity with and your relationship with Enslaved. And I think for both of us, our relationship with them is not strong enough or weak enough either way for us to really get particularly excited about them yeah this album i think that but it's good yeah but it is yeah. pretty good like some really good moments on it yeah um there you go so there you go utgard by enslaved that's out now right now we've put it off enough <sighs> here we go um can you credit it it's the first ever Corey taylor solo album cmft is the name of an album which feels like we should have had years ago yeah absolutely years ago like Corey taylor's first solo album coming out in 2020 that feels mad to me because you think well surely Corey taylor would have done a solo project fucking 12 15 years ago i don't know but uh but we do finally have it renfrey thank god um really <laughs> no <laughs> Um, I don't really know where to start with this. I can read what my first bit of notes are. And it just says, terrible, nauseating and often embarrassing record this. <laughs> um, we had a little discussion behind the scenes yesterday. Um, there, people who listen to the show regularly will kind of already have an idea of um, probably what we're going to say going into mm. this record there's been an awful lot of um well i mean once once the first single was released we'll get onto the first single later um but once the first single was released it's very fair to say that it was very divisive do you think i mean i think some people really really liked it it's got shit loads of plays on spotify so obviously some Has people it? really liked it um yeah. but it was very 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 divisive because it seemed very very it seemed to be um, evoking a time and a place that would rather be forgotten uh, in a kind of sort of, well, a close associate of ours, <laughs> who I won't name just in case I get in them in trouble, but um, a close associate of ours uh, called it Poundland Kid Rock, which I think is a pretty apt description of um, CMFT must be stopped. Um, there's a lot of people saying that this album is the most reflective of who Corey Taylor is as a person, which I'm sure is probably true, as a lot of solo albums are. If that's the case, it's made me realise I don't really like Corey Taylor all that much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, mm. What? Let's try and go back. I mean, rather, but I suppose what I'm trying to say is I don't want this review to be just shooting fish in a barrel. Because frankly, it would be really fucking easy for us to do that. Wouldn't yeah, it? it would. Yeah, so it would. we're going to try to remain as professional as possible here. I'm not saying we're going to manage it. I'm just saying we're going to try. Uh, so let's go back before CMFT Must Be Stopped was released. What were your expectations for a Corey Taylor solo album before we'd heard a single note from this record? Can you even remember? Uh, no, I mean, I just at this point, I mean, I have to say this is what I find sort of quite bizarre about the whole thing is that I just at this point. He's so omnipresent. Yeah. And he's so omnipotent and he's such a massive character 
and a completely different character from who he was in Slipknot that I, I mean I am like I say I am stunned that it's taken Corey Taylor you know the dude who wore the suit the crazy suit while presenting the, the president the Krang Awards the guy on QI the guy with the column in rock sounds the guy who just rocks up on like you know the everything you know mm-hmm. guest appearances his opinions everywhere you know he has become uh this sort of omnipresent and the cory taylor without a mask and the cory taylor with a mask in slipknot feel like two completely different things and they probably should really yeah. because obviously cory taylor um doesn't have to walk around being angry like he is in you know saying people equal shit all the time all the time although i do feel that the i mean this is something we were saying yesterday i do feel like over the last decade maybe uh cory has it's got to the point where cory is slightly undermining the what slipknot are you know by being the way in which he's being um we spoke about you too when we did the special and how everyone kind of queued up to hate them because they were just fucking everywhere People hate James Corden because he's just fucking everywhere and he's awful. Um, but he's fucking everywhere. He's on every... There's a period where James Corden was on everything. Yeah. And it just went... He went from being like this quite a crap actor in... Or, you know, quite an annoying character in a crap sitcom. Yeah. To being just this fucking omnipresent, despised personality. Yeah. And that's kind of why I'm like, well... I don't know why we've had to wait this long. Well, not even had to wait this long. At this point, I think, you know, Corey Taylor's on an absolute hiding to nothing. There'll be people who will just like it just because it's Corey Taylor. And they'll probably be the sort of people who usually listen to Stone Sour or, you know, the kind of the US radio rock stuff. The type of people who just want a distorted guitar. Yeah. And something that goes, yeah, 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 hey, hey, yo, yo, some yeah. fist pumpy moments in their music, and that will be enough for them. I think for everybody else, Corey Taylor as a sort of personality maybe reached saturation point a while ago. And so does, you know, you've got to ask, you know, what is the point of this? Who cares? Is he doing it? He's clearly just, I mean, I was about to say, is he just doing it for himself? He's clearly just doing it for himself. And that's absolutely fine. Mm. If he was to get to order a, a keg of beer and crank up the Barbie and invite some of his mates around and they wrote a bunch of songs and they recorded them and they handed out tapes to their mates and stuff and had a laugh, that's fine. This reminds me of... Uh, this is like your neighbours having a party. Listening to this album feels like your neighbours having a party and you can just hear the dull thud of music and people having a lovely time in another room that you haven't been invited to. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why now. I don't know what the point is. I don't know who really this is for other than Corey Taylor. Um, it's just, I, 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 I can't even be bothered to get, I can't be bothered to get angry about it. I can't be bothered to think about it. I can't be bothered to care about it. I, I, Certainly can't be bothered to care about it. Um, it's um, you very astutely. Well, not even astutely. It's blindingly fucking obvious. This is US radio rock. Um, something which has never characteristically been something that you or I have been into. Hence why it's, you know, very easy to do a shooting fish in the barrel kind of thing with this. Um, I'm absolutely certain that Corey Taylor 
is completely aware that this album will um, garner sneery reviews and so on and so forth from certain sections of the press, not from Kerrang! or Metal Hammer, though, funnily enough, uh, for some reason. Um, and um, to give Corey Taylor some credit, he knows exactly what he's doing. He self-described the album as having junk food choruses. And um, that is exactly, I mean, the, the entire record is junk food, really. It's sort of lowest common denominator stuff that you <laughs> consume and then regret the mo like five minutes after you've consumed it, <laughs> you know. Um, and it's not even good junk food. It's not uh, Five Guys. Uh, it's a McDonald's. It's a happy a wimpy. meal or a wimpy, yeah. Although the wimpy mm. milkshakes were very nice, um, but um, but you know, it's it's it, it feel not only does it feel like junk food, but it feels like junk food of a previous time. We were just talking about Signature Brew, uh, our lovely um, people who are supporting us behind the scenes, and you know, there's been this whole kind of um, well, I was going to say trend, but I think I think I think people's tastes have moved on, and people don't tend to, you know, Fosters and carling and uh special brew uh stella artois are not good enough now for people's taste people do expect craft beers and craft ales and so on and so forth i think that's the same with the fast food industry well well just to stop you there renfrey i mean as I'm, I'm sure signature brew would love to sell as many cans as fosters is what i would say and i'm mm. sure that i'm sure that you know uh, your local gourmet burger place would like to sell as many big, you know, as many burgers as Big Macs. Mm. Um, mm. And to yeah. be perfectly honest, I'm sure Black Peaks and the Dillinger Escape Plan and Code Orange and all the other bands that we regularly rave about would love to sell as many, would love to stream as much and sell as much and just get as many concert tickets as Godsmack or three doors down or shine down or any of those bands. So I, I understand, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I think there is definitely a, a rise in people going, you know what? My palate for whatever is, uh, is, is right. Is, you know, is I need to be challenged more. I need to, I want good quality things. I want good quality things. I don't want to go to the cinema and watch the fast and furious movies you know, and I, I want to watch something actually good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. actually genuinely good. But most people, most people, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> the success of those radio rock bands in America, those kind of red state American hard rock bands, is proof that that shit isn't going to go away. Yep. And that, and and what you're seeing, the kind of the the antidote to that is still. A, like a blip on the horizon in terms of the size of those bands in the general sense of the word now again i don't like those bands i think they're boring i think they're shite um but occasionally you know a lot of them tend to dine out on kind of one or two hit singles and as much as i have nothing good to say about disturbed down with the sickness is fucking catchy yeah as, as yeah. much as i have nothing good really to say about a band like papa roach particularly their kind of latter input uh, their latter output their latter input their latter <laughs> output um i played a couple of their songs on the radio and i was surprised at how quickly i picked up on 
how catchy those songs mm. were and the hooks, right? Mm. So those bands know exactly what they're doing. Nickelback, again, you know, I think a horrible, terrible band. Those songs are really, really catchy. It's not something I'm interested in, mm. but it's something that a lot of people are interested in. And for what that is, and and all, and that's all it needs to be. That's all it needs to be, really. Um, those bands can do that. It's not something that impresses me at all, mm-hmm, but it's mm-hmm, it's something that those bands can do. Yeah. The problem with this record is, I mean, there's more hooks on the John D record than there is on this. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I just you know I don't think it's got all the tropes and all the all the all the stuff that you'd expect from one of those radio rock bands, but so many of the songs. I mean, you know, like I say, the dull thud of the neighbors like it's like again like a bubble like it goes in one ear and out the other and it goes out the other and it's and it's like a, it just pops on as soon as it hits oxygen and it's it's gone from your yeah. head and you're like what i mean i listened to this and i was like food. oh it's really yeah yeah but at least sort of some of those bands that do that junk food can at least write a hook that sticks in your brain yes. i mean you can uh, some stuff that i fucking i mean you would you'll agree with me like there is stuff that you you can't help when you hear like the kooks or something you stick those as awful as those songs are that sticks in your brain and that's enough for a lot of people Mm. that's just enough Mm. i'm not even sure if these songs are going to stick in people's brain enough because i just don't think they've got they've not even got that a lot of them um i mean it starts the album in the most unimaginably obvious way possible a load of kind of whittling wayne's world guitars and some sort of faux volbeat cowboys rip off and lyrics about the devil catching them on highway 666 or some shite and at that point you're like you're literally 50 seconds into the album and i just went oh my shoulders sagged those lyrics like those lyrics were written when Corey taylor was a teenager and whilst that's a lovely story and all that kind of thing no (laughs) don't you i mean all the lyrics on this record are fucking atrocious not that a record like this um not that people look to the lyrics for on on a record like this particularly but they are absolutely appalling um i Mm. agree with everything you're saying regarding highway 666 which is the first song even the fucking title is derivative as fuck um unfortunately highway 666 is one of the highlights of the entire album (laughs) i mean yeah i mean the second song again throwaway as fuck but rock boringness and that's the and that's the thing as well man like again you know i can take it being derivative I can take it being plodding and obvious. I can take it being a type of music that I just don't care for, but it's just not really executed that well. And the one thing that you need, those hooks, it's like you had one job, Corey. You had one job. You take this music and you make me want to sing along to it. And I don't. That's all you had to do, really. And you can't even do that. I mean, again, Samantha's gone... Just AOR. tired and yeah. Wayne's World guitar, endless like Wayne's World, all over it. And you've got a kind of Corey, a, a catchier chorus on Minor Lux. And then there's a well, run of that's songs. That's so Motley Crue, that song, though. Yeah. Absolutely yeah, embarrassing. So, um, yeah. Just, I mean, yeah. Sorry. No, go on. Go on. Well, I was going to say there's a run of songs then that could literally could have been made by any Anyone. radio rock band from yeah. 1995 to now. Yeah. Any band, any album, 
any track from that album that just sounds like this run halfway down and then two kind of acoustic-y based ones, yeah. Silverfish and Can- Kansas, which it just, you go, there is n- even the Corey, even Corey Taylor, who has a really recognizable voice and loads of personality. I, you don't even hear Corey Taylor's voice on that. Not really. <sighs> he begin, he brings absolutely nothing to the plate whatsoever. I mean, I, I've kind of completely conked out by this this by this point of the record i should say the first half of the record is miles better than the second half of the record as well so we've got worse to come <laughs> but um yeah. i mean yeah. i i i the one thing i will say culture head which you've got that kind of Allison chains bass and that kind mm-hmm. of Allison chains flangey guitar and it sounds like cory taylor he sounds like cory taylor i mean there's a bit before the the, the pre-chorus is really bad but i guess it's an okay impression of a good band with Corey Taylor front in it, at least Alison, this sort of Alison Chainsy thing. Mu- it's not great, yeah, but mu- it's music- passable, mu- I think. Again, musically, I felt it was a quote, un- I really do mean quote unquote highlight. Um, but uh, yeah, the terrible pre chorus is that the fuck off, fuck off, fuck off bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking awful. Yeah. Dreadful. Yeah. Really bad. And then it just sort of, I don't know, just sort of plods down, doesn't it? And I think it uh, really starts to take a nosedive around Kansas. Like yeah. that's that's a truly terrible song. The the hand claps. It's really middle of the road. I listen to a song like Kansas and I kind of like, I, I, I think back to when I went round to my friend's house and he had uh, the first Slipknot album on tape and listening to Eyeless for the first time ever. And it's like, wow, 21 years later, this is what the front man of Slipknot is doing. I find that, you know, and I think artists should be diverse and I think they should try new things and do different stuff. But you hear a song like Kansas and it's very, very depressing. I think I think it's a very, very... I mean, it gets worse. Yeah. Definitely gets yeah. worse. I mean, it's yeah, so cold shed. Everyone does on my birthday and the Maria Fire awful. But the Nadir, and I would say this to anyone who is even considering listening to this record if you can listen to home into cmft must be stopped back to back and you don't feel physically sick by the end of it (laughs) you might have there might be some way in which you can find some sort of enjoyment from this record (laughs) because i have to say home into cmft must be stopped might be the worst one two on an album in music this year it's yeah oh absolutely i think um before this record came out um when cmft must be stopped dropped as a single uh at the end of july i thought we'd probably have a contender for the worst album of the year now i'm really happy like the one thing i am happy to report is cmft must be stopped is one of the worst songs on this record um but home is is another contender for for one of the worst songs on the record as well i i i think home's worse you might be right yeah i think home is absolutely unbearable terrible saccharine, sappy saccharine sentimental bullshit just yeah absolutely with no redeeming qualities whatsoever i mean at least you get the sort of the oddity of hearing kid bookie and tech nine doing their little bits at the end of cmft must be stopped and talking about slipknot on a rap and stuff i mean it it is unbelievably dated and Corey taylor sounds like 
you know, your dad's in an Afro wig going yo, yo, yo. Corey Taylor should not be rapping on the same track as Tech 9 and Kid Bookie. I will say that. I mean, again, we've talked about how little I know about hip hop and all this kind of thing. But those two, like, whilst I don't know those um, those rappers, uh, they are both head and shoulders above Corey Taylor rapping on mm. it. You know, um, I think Home is the kind of song that only Americans can write. Uh, you have to have the you have to have an enormous ego to write a song as earnest as home which has precisely fuck all to say whatsoever uh, mm. and i think that is a very american trait not to bash america because there's lots of things i like about america but it is the kind of song that only americans can write um i really do think that's the case um yeah. i mean the defense for an album like this is usually along the lines of oh it's just a bit of fun and, you know, if you don't like it, then you're not a fun person, are you? You know, and that's merely shorthand for someone saying I have awful taste and I will gladly consume any crap that is served up to me on a plate if I'm told it's good because I am completely incapable of forming my own opinions and I want to be told what to like. Those people are sheep. They're cow towers, puppets, conformists, casuals, non-lifers. And to be fair, they are most people. And that's why I think Corey Taylor knows exactly what he's doing. You know, the video for CMFT must be stopped has racked up three and a half million views in two months. He knows what he's doing. If somebody feels like just, just kind of hard rock, like kind of radio hard rock is, I mean, you know, I've this year stuck up for Five Finger Death Punch quite a lot. Do you know what I mean? I see and, more, and mer- I, but I see more merit in that Five Finger Death Punch album than I do. Like I, yeah. I, I look at that and I go, "This is a thing that I hate done well." Exactly, and, and I, th- I think that's, I think that's where the, that's where the, um, where, where the argument, the, the kind of the, the case for the prosecution should lie yeah. is that no, 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 it's not fun to listen to a bad version of something that you say is fun. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I think roller coasters are, are fun, but if it just went four meters and then I, it just threw me out. If it went in a straight line, and went, ah, it's a roller coaster. It's such fun. It's like, well, I've just literally. It's like, do you know what I mean? I've, I've been on escalators that are more exciting than that. But you go, oh, you hate fun because you hate that particular really, really terrible roller coaster. Well, that's it. And isn't I, it? And it's, I, it's and it's egotistical yeah, in the extreme to assume that your idea of fun is everyone else's idea of fun. It is true. It's lowest common denominator junk food. Of course it is. I mean, I think there's definitely a place. I mean, I think that what I'm saying is there is definitely a place for music like this. Because mm, mm. if and, and I believe that Corey Taylor really does like music like this and so i think I. there have been examples of things that are at least real i mean you mentioned the sort of motley crew vibes on um minor, minor lux. lux now i i like van halen i like the darkness mm-hmm. um i like def leopard singles we were going to do bon jovi this week i went to see bon jovi a few years ago yep, so but they are people who there's a craft to that you know there's a craft to creating even when you think of some of the 
sort of post-grunge bands that got slagged off for just ripping off Nirvana, who basically are kind of precursors to this whole radio rock thing. Mm. Silverchair, that first Silverchair album, mm. full mm. of full of youthful exuberance. Yeah. You know, yes, derivative. Yes. You know, yes, quite simple. Yes, they would go on to, and I think obviously, as we both know, they would go on to become a genuinely interesting band and genuinely interesting artist when you get to kind of neon ballroom and diorama and stuff like that. But early on kids making their, their bedroom hard rock fantasies and doing just really kind of solid job of doing that freak and stuff like that. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Nothing yeah, yeah. really. Absolutely. That shit's fine. And that's fun as well. Like that's, that's cool. Um, but it's when it gets to, like you say, is being over earnest fun no not really is having a lack of hooks fun no not really is being you know just so kind of boorishly monotonously vulgar is that fun i don't think that's much fun cmft must be stopped that kind of being so swinging your dick and being so shit if you're fucking eminem on the marshall mathers lp and you're swinging your balls around yeah go for it because you're fucking Mm. brilliant if you're Corey taylor on cmft must be stopped and you're swinging your balls around whilst rapping like someone's fucking granddad Mm. who's just heard like the scat man song like no, mate. No, this isn't fun. It's not. It's it's not very good. Exactly. It's just not very good. And um, and when you look at you know, oh, he just likes. He's doing the stuff that he really really likes. I mean, mate, I it's put in perspective about where Corey Taylor sits and stuff and what he, he could have done. I think it's just I Slipknot are great and Corey's fucking amazing in Slipknot hmm. and they released a brilliant album last year. They're yeah. still brilliant live. He's a nice dude. Like, I don't want to be here sitting and be like, oh, what a wanker or anything. He's in, I've spoken to him a bunch of times before. He's a nice dude. He's an interesting dude. He genuinely cares about music as well. Mm. I, I believe all but of that. I believe all of that. Compare his output to Mike Patton's. Yeah. I mean, Mike Patton loves music. Mm. Mike Patton cares about and you could be like oh god of course you're going to bring up snobby old mike Patton, and you know but when mike Patton does something for fun he re-records his old demos for mr bungle with dave lombardo and scott ian and makes them sound 10 times better and it's <laughs> genuinely fucking interesting and that's just as much fun yeah. do you know what i mean that's just as much fun and that's that's just mike Patton having a laugh Devin Townsend. Taylor. Devin Townsend. Devin Townsend. Like, do you know what I mean? Like these people who, I mean, we haven't got a chance to talk about the Greg, um, Greg Pachato album, which is coming out mm, in a few weeks. Mm. But spoiler alert, it doesn't fucking sound like this. No. <laughs> oh my God, no. Yeah, talk about two different sides of, yeah, well, we shouldn't spoil that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you just think like, you know, I get it. You want to have fun and stuff. And I get it. You want to make that. But I don't think I should be made to, to sit through this i don't think i should be like you should have a little bit more fucking pride in your 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 reputation your output and i i you know it's it's just really it smacks of kind of that'll do sloppiness and if you've waited years and years and years for a core this is the Corey taylor album and then this comes along you're like fucking hell man really i think you said it in a far better and to be fair far less snobby way than i did um but that what what i find annoying is is this idea that if you don't like this um then you can't be a fun person and it's just like no i don't like this because it's objectively bad subjectively badly put together it's objectively um 
like it, Corey Taylor sounds old on it. Like, I mean, there, there are Slipknot records that I don't particularly like, but I don't think he's ever sounded old on them. Mm. And there are, I'm not, not for the entire record, but there's a fair few moments on this record where he sounds old, you know, yeah. um, black eyes blue is only one distorted guitar away from the sort of crap that matchbox 20 were putting out in the nineties or Lifehouse. I mean, yeah. who would have thought 21 years after Slipknot, we'd be comparing Corey Taylor solo stuff to Matchbox fucking 20. And I do, I do know and I appreciate that Corey Taylor probably likes that sort of shit, but Corey Taylor has awful taste. <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, but come on, it's just a laugh and it's just fun. It's just laugh, yeah. It's just Eight a laugh. Eight out of 10, it's fun. Um, 4Ks. Uh, fucking hell. Uh, anyway, CMFT by Corey Taylor is out is out now. This is my idea of fun. Same. This is a fun. <laughs> genuinely, this is a fun yeah. album. Um, Anel Nathrak and Darkenment, uh, the eleventh studio album from the Brummy Noise duo, the follow up to 2018's A New Kind of Horror, a record that both of us were super positive about when we reviewed it back then. I still love that record. It's really great. I just actually, to be perfectly fair, I have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of time for Anel Nathrak and their their weird little ways, Rimfrey. A New Kind of Horror was in my top 20 albums of the year in 2018. Mm. I, think it, I think it was sort of number 18 or number 19 or something like that, but it was in my top 20 and I fucking love it. And yes, I still return to it. Yeah. I think it's great. Excellent. Um, my notes, just fl I flicked through my notes and I've written down some highlights in my notes. My notes on this record, Eurovision, Dead Pigs, King Diamond, Cox for Eyes, Dragon Force, Meat Grinders, Engve Malmsteam. What's going on here? See, this is fun. weird as that's fun yeah pigs yeah. with cocks is... for eyes that's fun <laughs> yeah this is weird this is such a thematically brutal thing yeah. uh you've probably seen the artwork with the pigs um a dead pig with cocks coming out of its eyes but what is wicked about this and it's not the first time anel nathrak have done this but i feel like this is the silliest they've ever sounded there is almost a mm. dragon force level of like you know tongue-in-cheek whittliness to this which uh, like i say you know i i think it's it's not true to say that anil nathrak have never done that before they definitely have but i don't know if they've done it i don't know if they've moved those goalposts as far away from each other as they have to quite the extent that they do on this record and i am fucking for that juxtaposition I am so fucking here for it. I agree. I agree. What I really dig about Anal Nathrak is that they managed to marry a sense of the genuinely terrifying with a Monty Python-esque grotesque humour that is ridiculously OTT. It's very, very British what they do. I mean, they're a British band, but it's very, very British. But yeah, that whole kind of OTT element to what they do. I mean, we, we were discussing this... Um, on the phone the other day there's so many elements of power metal in this record a subgenre that neither of us have an awful lot of love for really but it's married to such a heavy relentless aggressive blast beat inflicted black metal kind of uh, filter i don't know it's just married to such yeah. a heavy 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 sound that it just sounds laughably ridiculous but in a good way uh very yeah. much in a good way just like the artwork you know the art 
<laughs> I love the way Anal Nathrak can repel people and make people laugh almost within the same sort of verse, you know? Um, and that's a hell of a thing to be able to pull off. It's like horror comedies. Horror comedies mm. are genuinely really, really hard things to do. Shaun of the Dead and so on and so forth. Most horror comedies Drag really... Me to Hell? I've not seen Drag seen Me it? to Hell. I really want oh, to see mate. that. Oh, mate. I love Drag Me to Hell. It's okay. brilliant. Yeah, it's um, awesome. But Sam Raimi in it. Yeah, Sam. I mean, Sam Raimi's really, really good at it with the brain dead stuff and all that kind of thing. I think mm -hmm. Evil Dead 2 is a brilliant example as well. Brain dead? That's not Sam Raimi. That's Peter Jackson. Oh, fuck. You're absolutely right. What was the Sam Raimi, the early Sam Raimi one? Evil Dead. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm being stupid. Okay, apologies. Um, <laughs> yes, um, but that idea of mixing comedy and horror, actually genuinely being terrified one moment and then the next uh, laughing your ass off. Um, I don't think Anal Nathrak are, I don't know if Anal Nathrak are aiming to do that or not really, but they certainly, they manage it with me, I think. I, I think what they're aiming for and what I think they've kind of, they have always, they have always aimed for, but there's something about this record, I think, which is just, <laughs> even, I always felt like they were super brutal, but then occasionally they chuck in, they, they would be happy to lean on um, the, the sort of most absurdist, bits of like the most bombastic parts of the heavy metal mm. world mm. right now on this record they are leaning so far into it that there's occasions where you go this is actually this is not an extreme metal song with power metal elements this is a power metal song played at a grindcore pace mm. like it's it's and it, it's fucking great i mean um it just goes boom it's in it's brutal and then you get this kind of man of war style chant chorus on mm. the title track which mm. opens everything amazing then you get these two just basic kind of back-to-back -back grinding bastards which they are just brilliant at and um lib libinus lib libidinus libidinus that's it is the pigs with cox eyes song and that has got this like massive king diamond screech in it mm. this massive like which goes on throughout that and it's and it's it's mad as fuck but it really works well the the chorus is sort of sung in a power metal fashion and the chorus goes a thousand cocks begin to crow and yet we still deny a thousand lights begin to glow in the night and yet we blind our eyes and you know it is it is done in a kind of a thousand cocks you know it is done in a ridiculously ott stupid manner but it is there is actually it's not like this isn't Steel Panther. They are actually saying there is political discourse running through the record mm. as well. If you want to look for that stuff, um, mm. I mean, well, stuff like I mean, in, in the titles like "Create Art Though the World May Perish," yeah, is yeah. you know a yeah. thing. So uh, yeah, man, um, you're you're right. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's lots. Of, I mean, even even just regarding the artwork itself, the pigs with the penises coming out of its eyes. I mean, this is just something that I picked up from the press notes. I'm not going to read all of these press note things because there's fucking loads of them. But if you want to look into the meanings of these songs, you will find a lot of very interesting, very um, strong political rhetoric. Fun album, as I said. Um, but in terms of the artwork, the idea is basically to depict the ideal human circa 2020. The idea is older, but the depiction it is as current as it ever was. We are livestock, shorn of dignity, humiliated and blind to the reality of our predicament because all we see and care about is libid libidinous rubbish. 
And even when one of us thinks they've found something real and rears up to jab their finger at the air, it's still often oddly fetishized. You can practically see the hard on and smell the groin sweat. And all too frequently, we who observe feel that, as the saying goes, the stupid it burns. Bill Hicks once talked about culture as a sedative or diversionary tactic. Go back to sleep, America. Zappa said something similar via the metaphor of cheese. The take implicit in our cover Arthur and Darkment is similar, but more aggressive and embittered. As the line in one of the songs on the album goes, pigs with cocks in our eyes, masturbating to the end of the world. I mean, just the sheer lunacy of a statement like that, which one sentence is saying something very profound and genuinely interesting. And then the next, talking about pigs with cocks in our eyes, masturbating to the end of the world. That's kind of a now nathrak summed up in a paragraph, I think. Yeah. Great. It is really good. And I mean, I'm not sure how much, if you're not really paying that much attention to it, which... Uh, I mean, I didn't. I did get the the World War One thematics, the sort of through line of the last album. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really get anything initially with this one. I mean, I, I didn't get anything with this one. But I mean, for what it is, I mean, you can tell that it's like this is end of day shit, and it's yes. all over the place. Um, feeding the Death Machine. Um, Dave Hunt sounds a bit like Mike Patton in the Feeding the Death Machine. <laughs> thing that he does on it like it's he's got a kind of it's got that you know when when Patton does that yeah, yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. got a bit of that going on as well um I mentioned create art though the world made perish which is really good it's as just as manic and evil sounding as I want this band to sound but with an Iron Maiden chorus I mean this yes. is how you incorporate the cheesy side of metal and make it sound brutal and relevant. When people go like, oh, heavy metal is blah, blah, blah. It's like, we love how ridiculous it is and you're no fun for not liking it. It's like, nah, I want something actually fucking heavy. I don't want status quo with some bloke going over the top of it. Just, you know, I mean. There's a song called Beyond Words, which which is just um, similarly to, um, oh fuck, what's that band? Ghost Bath. It is just screaming. Like there aren't really any lyrics. Yeah. But it's, kind of a brilliant a brilliant summation of what's going on in the world right now to be honest it actually says more by saying nothing than certainly Corey taylor can say on an entire fucking record um you know um it's great um the lyrics to requiem are all in latin i mean and and that song is 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 like the, it takes the most absurd bits of the album and turns it into something approaching a grindcore power ballad. Mm. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a grindcore power ballad. Mm. It's really cool. I mean, the idea of all of this, it's not quite as for me as, say, like the last album is. Yeah, yeah. And as I said, I am aware that they have dabbled pretty heavily in just, you know, pure heavy metal tropes in the past. But this just feels like everything clunked up a couple of extra notches. Yeah. And then they really lean on it. And I'm just, I, I, it's really, it's really great, this record. Yeah. It's you've, so great. You've kind of already said it. I don't think for me it's quite as powerful as the World War themed A New Kind of Horror. Um, uh, I think that's partly to do with um, the theme of A New Kind of Horror being more obvious i do agree that the themes in this record you have to dig a little deeper to kind of find them um i think it's also to do with length uh this album's 41 minutes um which may be a teeny tiny bit too long i don't know why i would take off it because i love the whole thing but um 
new kind of horror was 32 minutes which felt like for this kind of extreme punishing stuff throughout feels more kind of uh uh digestible um mm. but it still marries metal's most ott elements in a way that is really quite extraordinary whilst also finding some time for some searing political commentary for those who can be bothered to look at look for it uh much more intelligently than the majority of metal lyricists are capable of and it is really fun as well if you you don't have yeah. to see any of that stuff if you don't want to you could just put it on and be like this is gloriously ott fun unbelievably over the top like staggeringly over the top yeah, like, yeah great really good like man I, I do i do i think we, we said it last time i really like anna nathrak yeah, um they're wicked and this is another wicked one of their albums yeah. and darkenment is the name of it and it is out right now okay so um couple of albums left this is the de- is it the debut so look is laura jane grace in the um well, it's Laura Jane Grace, Mothers. Stay Alive. And the Devouring Mothers, does that count as a fully solo Laura Jane Grace album? I, or think, this is just... I think this is the debut solo. The debut solo album. Yeah. Um, so Laura Jane Grace, dropping this from kind of nowhere, Laura Jane Grace from Against Me. Um, recorded and produced by Steve Albini. Uh, I think you can kind of hear that in mm. how absolutely naked and raw a recording most of this is. Mm. Um, yeah, this is very, very short. Um, very, very slight uh, mostly just played by her on an acoustic guitar and her voice. A couple of overdubs here and there, a couple of little electric drum beats, but it's very, very simple. Mm. It's very, very brief. Only one of the songs of the 14 reaches over the past the three minute mark. Mm-hmm. Um, Laura is a great songwriter and there are some really good songs on this record. I don't really have loads to say apart from that, to be honest. It's an interesting one. So this is a record which is kind of a result of um, everything that's happening around us, the whole COVID situation. Uh, Laura Jane Grace originally planned to release a new Against Me album this year, Uh, but then Corona happened. And with the members of Against Me spread across the country, plans to record the new Against Me record stalled. Um, She said, uh, I'm taking this from the press release, I sat around for a month and a half at home just being shell-shocked, being like, what the fuck happened and what the fuck is happening with the world? As I started to get my bearings, I just came to the realisation that waiting was going to kill the record and kill the songs. I spent two years working on all these songs and the idea of throwing them away didn't sit well with me. But then I was like, what am I waiting for? All I have to do is adjust my scope. I can sit here on my fucking ass and do nothing or I can work. So the insinuation there is that these are were meant to be against me songs right um as a result of circumstances beyond anyone's control what we have with stay alive uh due to circumstances is laura's first ever solo album it was recorded in four days uh alongside steve albini as you said and it has a very analog recording style to it it feels very live um bar a couple of you know small overdubs here and there A, a fair few of the songs though do sound like they just mic'd up Laura with an acoustic guitar and pressed record, though there are a fair few songs on it. Um, I think the amount that people will like this album will come down to just how much you like Laura Jane Grace, really. Yeah, um, I think so. And I have to be honest. I mean, here's here's the thing before you go into that. Here's the thing. Um, I do like Laura Jane Grace a lot, and I think Laura Jane Grace is a great songwriter. Um, hearing that this would have been the new against me album uh the last against me album was probably the first one 
that I was really like, there's a couple of good songs in it, but it's a bit, you know, it's a bit glammy and a bit, you know, like when she's super personal and that last album wasn't so much, you know, I thought all the kind of agit-politic and personal stuff that she's been doing from pre, um, from Transgender Dysphoria Blues and mm, pre that mm. uh, was all great. And mm. the last album uh, didn't really have that so much. Mm. And um, and yet there is, I can hear, I mean, one thing I was going to say is that some of these feel like leftovers from the I. The, the things that were in her head from that last Against Me album, which is why like it started kind of ho-hum uh, mm. a lot of this record. I was like, mm. the first two aren't all that. It was a bit flat. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think it does depend on how much you like Laura Jane Grace and you. Well, I, I don't... I, I, I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other, I have to say. I, to my shame, and I will say it's to my shame, um, I've never properly gone in on Against Me. Um, I've heard White Cross, White Cross? White crosses. White crosses. Uh, I've I've heard bits and pieces here and there. We've done the we did the Laura Jane Grace and the Devouring Mothers record um, last year, which I thought was quite good. Um, but for whatever reason, I've just never really gone in on Against Me properly. Um, so to me, this is a, a perfectly pleasant half hour or so, but not one that I can feel I can really soak myself up in. Um, I really do appreciate the sentiment of wanting to record these songs before the spark is lost. And I totally yeah. get that. I think it's a punk as fuck thing to do to just, you know, call up Steve Albini and go, can we just record these songs in four days? You know, 14 songs in four days. And, you know, it's, it's got echoes of Jonah Matranga and Walter Schreifels did a solo album and stuff like that. It's got echoes of all that kind of thing, Rob Lynch. Um, but I can't help but wonder if some of these songs are lacking due to not being full band, um, which is, you know, no one's fault. It's the circumstances we find ourselves under. We talked about this in a totally different way, but the T Morris and Joe Quayle album being a um, album made in the circumstances that we find ourselves in. It's not the perfect way that it would have was originally envisaged. I mean, a song like hanging tree, for example, sounds perfectly fine on an acoustic but i can't help but wonder what it sound like with a full band behind it and the same applies to many of these songs please leave the magic point shelter in place none of these are bad songs at all and they work in these acoustic inc incarnations but i can't help but listen to them and think that they're effectively demos for what should have been a fully fleshed out you know fully fleshed out by a full band yeah. Um, I mean, you, you've um, mentioned a few songs there, like The Magic Point, which I like, but it's it's just basically a chorus. Yeah. And yeah. that's it. It's over. Yeah. It, does, it does feel very demo-y, this record. And, you know, in a way, it kind of is. And it, it is making the best out of a bit of a crappy situation. And I fully, I think that is super cool. And I fully admire that. But it's also kind of a bit of a shame. And I think it would be wrong to totally ignore that. Some of these songs are fucking lovely, though, with just Laura and an acoustic guitar. Calendar Song, Why Can't I Be You, Mountain Song, and Old Friends Stay Alive, the last song, is fucking great, I think. And I think yeah. they, they sound really good with just Laura and, uh, and, and an acoustic guitar. And I don't think, um, you know, those songs, for example, I don't think would have been improved necessarily with a full band. Um, mm. but But I think it's, kind of half and half i think half the songs you think really should have a full band half of them 
work as they are. Uh, some of the songs are a little lightweight and throwaway, and I'm not sure if maybe should have been on there at all. I mean, I don't really need So Long Farewell, Alf Wiedersen, Fuck Off. Um, mm. To be honest, I don't really need Blood and Thunder either. Maybe that's just because I was expecting a acoustic cover of the Mastodon song. I don't know. Uh, well, were you <laughs> expecting a cover of the James Addiction song or Mountain Song as well? <laughs> I mean, I actually, I actually was hoping "Why Can't I Be You" was like some Cure cover. <laughs> I actually think that's one of the most stirring moments on the record. I love "Why Can't song I Be You" particular. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. really good. Yeah, um, and it, it's something like like Supernatural Possession. I think is cool, and that's yes. got an electric guitar and a program drum part, mm -hmm. and it's got this kind of gaslight anthem meets a little bit of glammy stomp to it. Yeah, and she does it all in two minutes and five seconds. Yeah, and yeah. So yeah. it's like, well, you know, there's the brevity of that, and you mentioned Shelter in Place, which I think. I like that because she's got a very particular cadence that she mm -hmm. adopts in her in her vocals, which is really good. And it's kind of got this almost like a sort of hula riff, like a sort of... Mm. There's a lot of stuff that reminds me of like hula music mm. on this for mm. some reason. I don't quite know why. Like it's being played on a ukulele, uh, but it's got like a, a reverby guitar behind it as well. And there's some stuff in it like, you know, Ice Cream Song feels like a little bit daniel johnston but a bit more evolved and mm. uh, if you like i'm not sure about that so much i mean mm. she sounds a bit like brian brian molko in that song as well i thought oh i didn't pick up on that the, but, Mol the yeah. molko's in her as well but i think this is pretty good and i think it depends on how much you like this type of thing it depends on how much you like laura um it depends on how sort of invested you are in in her i am pretty invested although i think i mean when we did the Bill Callahan record a few weeks ago and it really showed how brilliant and how great an artist can be and how seductive being slight and being quiet can yeah. be. And Laura goes for more energy than that. Yes. Yeah. But still there's maybe not quite enough energy in it. to. So it's sort of, for me, it sits between two things. Um, and it's not, a, it's not a bad record at all. It's a mm. pretty good record. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's... Um, I, I don't think we'll be, I'll be going back to this over the Against Me albums at all. That's interesting. To be perfectly honest. I don't think I would either. Um, I will say I think she's released it in a really cool way. This is a surprise yeah. release. It was literally, well, it's actually, as we record this, it was re released today, wasn't it? It was actually released. Today. Um, so when this goes out, it was released yesterday. Um, and I think that is exactly the way to release a record like this because for Laura Jane Grace fans, this is a surprise release and they've just got 14 new Laura Jane Grace songs. I'm like, great, brilliant. Um, yeah. But um, I can't help but feel like it should have been something more than it is. But then at the same time, I can't really blame the writer of these songs because it's not her fault. So... I mean, it's, it seems like a shitty thing to be like, well, it's better than nothing because that is a shitty thing to say. Yeah. But it is, but it is, you know, like I'm glad to have heard these songs. Yeah. Uh, and I really like Laura. Um, but, you know, yeah, like I say, it's, um, I don't think this will sit at the top of, you know, when we come to dissect her back catalogue, whenever her career ends, I don't think this will sit um, very high uh, in it, to be perfectly honest. Anyway, that is Laura Jane Grace, Stay Alive. All right. And our last album, for the week before we bid you adieu uh comes from more mother the album is called circuit city it actually came out last week it's the fourth studio album from kame ayewa otherwise known as more mother the avant-garde experimental beat poet and activist this is 
actually her fourth release of the year. She did an EP um, in her name as More Mother. She did a live album with Nicole Mitchell, which was released this year. And she also did a collaborative album with Mental Jewelry under the name More Jewelry. So busy, busy, busy lady. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah, very that, busy indeed. That is a busy um, time. But then, you know, I suppose, what have you got to do at the moment apart from releasing loads of music? Well, quite. And fair play to her. Yeah, fair play. Um, so last year, I was told to listen to her album, Analog Fluids of Sonic Black Holes, which is a proper brilliant and intense listen. It was my first sort of introduction to her and her work. Really great, really challenging, really dark, clearly a very personal um, record. It was kind of sold to me as Lingua Ignota meets Clipping. Um, that isn't far off, although I don't think it fully tells the story of that album either. I got that quite late in the day of the year. Um, had the year been a couple of months longer, I'm almost certain that would have made it into my top 20 albums right. of 2019. It's it's really, really good. So hence why, when I heard she had another album out, I was very, very keen to bring it in to hopefully be able to wax lyrical about why this artist is so great. But this is what's great about artists like this. I mean, well, Jesus, uh, where do we start here, Renfrey? I mean, here's what this is meant to be. Um, so Circuit City has been described as her first theatrical work, a futuristic exploration, part musical, part choir poem, part play of public private ownership, housing and technology set in a living room in a corporate owned apartment complex framed by more mother's bold poetry performed live by Steve Montenegro, Luke Stewart, Kia Neuringer, Teshe Holmes, Achille, uh, Madam Data and Elon Battle. Circuit City is an Afrofuturist song cycle for our current climate. Did you get any of that? Um, I can't strictly disagree with any of that. I think it's a very kind way to put it. Um, <laughs> I I think I'm going to have a similar reaction to this record as you had to the Anna von Hauswolf record last week. Um, in that, I think, I don't think you have lost any respect for Anna von Hauswolf or anything like that. I think no. you still think that she's a, a, a very interesting artist. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that there are probably Anna von Hauswolf records that you could listen to and get a lot out of. Um, this is, I mean, it'll probably come as a surprise to a lot of people that this is probably, this is quite possibly the most avant-garde record we've ever covered on the show. And the fact that you've brought it in and not me is, is a real turn up for the books. Um, <laughs> it's, it's up there, isn't it? It is, it is really up there. And it is, um, I'm wondering whether to do what you did last week and just get, get my stuff out of the way so that you can yeah, talk man, about it. Yeah, man, go for it. it. Um, go for it. It is a free jazz, um, you said improvised. Do, do we know for a fact this is improvised? Oh, no, no, it's performed live. Performed live, okay. I don't, but, but listening to it, it I was may like, well be I wonder if it was been yeah, improvised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it sounds like it could have been. Um, it's free jazz in the sense whenever people talk about jazz being um, really wild and widdly and having absolutely no hooks whatsoever and just being totally free, this is exactly what they're talking about. Usually when comedy programmes uh, take the mick out of jazz, it's that kind of jazz. Uh, not jazz I can really get on board with, um, if I'm totally honest. Um, 
with her kind of beat poetry over the top. Um, it definitely feels like she's trying to say something on this record, but the avant-gardeness of it is so alienating to me. I just, whatever the message is, it goes right over my head. So for that reason, I think it's sort of a failure. But... Um, I mean, if there's if if you can fill me in on like exactly what this record is about or like uh, uh, the me? concept of it, yeah, I'm, I, just, I, I don't, don't know. <laughs> I have no fucking idea. <laughs> I don't know no, either. I I I be honest with you, I don't know. I didn't know that this was going to sound like this. No, nah, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I actually think, I mean, I actually think it's quite exciting to get something. I mean, probably much like Anna von Housewolf. Um, I think it's quite exciting to get an Anna von Housewolf album and suddenly go, oh, this is not what I expected at all. No, totally. By the end, you're like, <laughs> I don't actually like it, but it's not what I expected at all. I mean, kind of ditto for this, really. This is hard, 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 hard going. The, hard going. The the album it reminded me of the most that we have covered is Metal Machine Music by Lou Reed. Right, yeah. In, um, well, in in terms of not that they sound like one another, but in terms of its sheer avant gardeness and in terms of just how difficult it is. I mean, mm. it's four tracks, just like Metal Machine music is. Um, each of those four tracks, you've got eleven minutes, two seconds, eight minutes, forty, nine minutes, and twelve minutes, forty-one. So they're all quite long songs. Um, mm. I, I, it does feel like Metal Machine music has had at least had the semi influence over this. Uh, which is either good or bad, depending on your kind of assessment. Of I, it. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, it's not a long record, really, when you say it's 40 minutes. You know, that doesn't feel like a very long record. But my Lord, does it feel like a long record? It, it does, really does feel yeah. like a long uh, a long record. There's a bit on... Although I do think that's by design, to give her credit. Of course, yeah. I mean, there is a me. bit on Time Is No Time, which features Elon Battle, where it actually calms the fuck down mm. for a little bit and actually you can it's it's something that is approaching something fairly accessibly listenable mm-hmm. um and i was like okay and there's a bit actually on the last act which is called no more wires where she says you can't time travel without free jazz i mean tell that to bill and ted but um <laughs> but the the kind of i guess the interesting thing about this record is it is this kind of free jazz freak out records with clearly some kind of socio-political message which i have to say i am still kind of struggling to get a handle on but um but it does elongate time incredibly because yeah it doesn't feel like 40 minutes no. i mean that sort of sounds like an insult and maybe it is one a little bit that god it goes on doesn't it but um it definitely requires a a lot of hard work and a fair bit of attention that you just might not have. Well, they used um, heavy music to torture um, people in the Iraq War and and stuff like that. And um, it's like ACDC and stuff. Well, well, yes, but yeah, ACDC and Metallica and stuff like that. Yeah, but that that was very offensive to um, the people that they were trying to torture. And I think you 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 could use this as a form of torture, which sounds far, far harsher than I mean it to, because to be honest, I think it's kind of like that by design, but you have to kind of, you know, we like weird avant-garde music, but there is a point where you have to go, well, if this is so avant-garde that I can't pick up anything from it, 
you know, you, you, you've gone too far into wanky territory there. Um, I, I don't think you have to, there, there are some cases where you listen to a record and, um, you get something from it and then you read up on it and then you read up on what the record's about and then you get even more from it. But I do think you need a starting point of at least vaguely liking the record before wanting to delve even further into it. And this might be, Circuit City might be an absolute masterpiece in what it's trying to say and what it's trying to do. But because I find it so alienating to, to begin with, I don't even want to dive into it to look further into it. And mm. I think that's a problem. Mm. See, I actually quite like the some mad jazz stuff. Okay uh i i do yeah i mean obviously miles i i don't have a massive lot of knowledge that i can talk to you about all of the very underground jazz things but certainly like you know i've listened to enough miles davis in my time to go the kind of that kind of hi-hat and trumpet freak out thing mm -hmm. i i actually think that's that could that sounds fucking cool maybe it doesn't sound cool for 40 minutes non-stop although they do kind of ease up on it a bit at some point on this for a little while which i think actually makes this far easier the fourth time around when i noticed that than it did the first time around when i was just like oh jesus it, jesus it's like one point of the record though isn't it i know yeah yeah it, it literally is. <laughs> i mean it is like like it is this crazy freak out jazz for about 25 minutes and then yeah as you say there's a couple of minutes where it lets up a bit and then it's crazy freak out jazz for the last 15 minutes it's like oh really <laughs> and it's incredibly intense and i think it's that thing that have we ever spoken about a serbian film on here before no but oh my good god a serbian film. so yeah a serbian film which i'm not going to get into what it's about but basically it's a film called a serbian film it is horrible mm. right now that is supposed to there's supposed to be some kind of allegorical mm. thing about the serbian government but it, it the message is lost because it's just the 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 horror the horror of that film uh, you have to take it at you can't unsee what you see in that film yeah. and you have to, and that the face value of what you see is so unremorselessly oppressing yeah. that you kind of that any point that was trying to be made is lost now i'm not comparing this to a serbian film which i think is just kind of quite pathetic um shock value fucking torture porn hmm. basically i liked it and more than that but yeah fair enough really I, I i don't think it's a masterpiece but i liked it more than you did yeah i think it's a, 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 the absolute opposite of a masterpiece to okay. be perfectly honest oh i, I didn't i didn't i, I, I didn't call it a masterpiece i just i just no 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 no. i'm just saying mm. that whatever if you take a masterpiece mm. and think of the th furthest thing away from a masterpiece, like i think it's have got absolutely no value whatsoever i think that, and i don't i think that is a perfectly valid reaction to that film i will say that much yes yeah um and i mean while i don't think that about this mm. i think this is the, the 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 point for me feels so buried i mean the first time i heard it i was like there's this this is about something surely surely mm. this is about oh something. i'm sure it's and about then something, yeah. when i looked it up i was like okay right now i can go back and listen to it and i can get a handle on it and i still i still haven't i still don't see where anything fits in and sometimes you know a message and a, and a purpose of something gets lost because the oppressive things are so oppressive and that might 
you know, that might be the point. Who knows? Um, this is a difficult record. I still think she's great. And I still think the fact that we got this and I was like, oh, fuck me. This is, you know, you don't always get what you want. Sure. When you... <laughs> but if you try from, sometimes, from good artists, you just yeah. might find. Um, you don't, yeah, you don't always get oh, what you want it. or what you expect. No, 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 I'm not going to finish <laughs> it. Because um, you don't, you don't always, you want me to finish it. <laughs> I want I'm not to finish it. <laughs> uh, um, but with all that being said, um, I, 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 I'm imp- I'm, I guess I'm impressed by this more than I am, than I have any kind of enjoyment for it. And I don't even know how impressed I am by it. We said uh, we talked. We covered the John Cage story, the uh, most salacious story of the <laughs> year, um, due to the, uh, the the chord changing after what seven years or something like that. And, and well, the other was like fifteen years. Was it fifteen? Years, years? Right? I can't remember. But yeah, the the, the there's, a, there's a chord change in that piece of music, which is going on for six hundred odd years. And um, you asked me if I like John Cage, and I basically said no, but I'm glad he exists um based on this record and this record alone and i do appreciate that more mother's other stuff is very 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 different to this but based on this record alone do i like more mother absolutely not but i'm glad it exists Mm, fair so (laughs) if you think Corey taylor album is hard work like what's more hard work this or Corey taylor Well, look, more more mother is harder work, but it ha- but even though I haven't got a fucking clue what she's talking about, it has more artistic merit than than Corey Taylor. I would I would concur. Um, anyway, there you go. So that is Circuit City. It's by More Mother. I mean, I, I'm gonna say again. I mean, I actually didn't think the More Jewelry album was that great either. Okay. To be honest, um, what's the one? That, what's the one that you did like? Analog fluids of sonic black holes is brilliant i am tempted to it's check that out. really really brilliant so you should be tempted to check that out it's it's well good okay. uh anyway that's it um we'll be back next week with more reviews touche and more venom prison and more not just metal um well not the touche and more are a metal band in in any way but <laughs> i just thought i'd don't come here looking for metal, you idiots. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, go to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Riot Act podcast, and you'll be getting a Gallows classic album in a couple of days, mm. um, as well as some more Riot Ears reviews. I think we've got Kings of Leon one going up soon, haven't we? Oh, it's um, gone up as we've been doing this. Okay, great. Yeah. Brilliant. All right, good. Well, that's, that's excellent. And we just want to say another big thanks to our buddies over at signaturebrew.co.uk. Signature Brew, um, as I said, will give you 10% off of their delicious beverages if you go and put Riot Act, all one word, lowercase, into the checkout. Lower capitals, yeah. Lower, well, don't say it, because now it's... <laughs> you fucked up now, haven't you? Um, thanks very much to them. Uh, go and have a little look at some of their, their wares. There's yeah. T-shirts and stuff as well. You can get 10... I, th- I believe... I should have actually checked this before recording, but I believe you can get 10% off of anything, including merch and everything. So it's just 10% mm. off, full stop. So Great. All right. Well, anyway, thanks very much to them. Thanks very much to you. Thanks very much to you, Renfrey. Thank you. I'm going to go and clean up Bonjour's poo. Lee. Lovely. I'm going to have some beer from Signature Brew. Mm. <laughs> different drinks, different needs. <laughs>